YouTube to connect and we are live. Nick Bruce. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, Brad? How you doing? I'm doing very well. First of all, congratulations on SNM. That's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's really awesome, dude. Thank you. But today we're here to talk about you. So <laughs> <laughs> yo, uh, you have a good day. I did. Worked out rode my bike and both felt really great good good yeah i saw your instagram story said you did some flares for the first time in a while five forty flares yeah first time nice or it's it's been about four and a half months a little over four and a half months since my surgery yeah and uh yeah tricks it's crazy how well or it's crazy how muscle memory works like things have just been working out and i'm, I'm not complaining by any means <laughs> so. yeah i think if you don't take too much time away it's like things just pick right back up yeah this is the longest i've been out on an injury so i didn't know i didn't know what i'm used to like maybe two months max mm-hmm. i wasn't sure uh i wasn't really sure what was gonna happen this time around yeah what exactly even happened would you do Okay, so at the Olympics, I injured my shoulder. At the time, or at in Tokyo, they're like, "Oh, it's just a contusion. It'll, it'll calm down in a few weeks or whatever, and you'll be fine." But there was so much inflammation; they did they didn't see the tears I had in my shoulder. So I tore my rotator cuff, and I found that out six months later with an MRI because my shoulder was still bugging me even with the rehab. So I tore my supraspinatus rotator cuff, which controls your arm going up and down. So that's why when I crashed, I could not even lift my arm up by any means. Like it was so hard to do anything after that crash. And then, um, yeah, the doctor in Pittsburgh was like, oh, you're good to wait until after 2024 for this thing. I was like, okay, great. Because he, uh, he's uh, the orthopedic surgeon for uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the baseball team. Mm-hmm. So, and he's like, oh, I have tons of pitchers with that same tear, and they're still pitching full speed, full strength, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, okay. Fast forward seven months or six months later, shoulder's still bugging me a lot. So I go see a doctor in Vail, Colorado, through uh, the United States Olympic Committee. And there, and the doctor, I was going there for PRP injections, which is just like something to help the healing. Yeah, we'll get there. And uh, and that doctor was like, dude, you should fix this immediately. He's like, you're like one crash away from not having a functional arm. You're not have, you're like one crash away from possibly this thing not being repairable. And I was like, this is like completely different than what this other doctor was saying. And and I was not expecting to get surgery that all this or uh, in 2022. I was like that was like like after 2024, like no doubt. So like that was like really jarring. But then we like I got a few second opinions through the USA Cycling doctors, and they're like, yeah, you should. Uh, you should get your, you should get the surgery ASAP. So I'm healthy for 2023, even though I missed few important events at towards the end of the last year and then I missed the first World Cup in February which wasn't on the calendar until like 
December and I was like, ah, oh, man, I got to miss that one too. So that was a little frustrating. Mm-hmm. But yeah, four or five months later and I'm back to riding, feeling, I'm feeling really good. So I'm, I'm just hoping to stay on that trajectory. Yeah. Been working my butt off in PT and, and just the off the bike exercise wise, like keeping my fitness level high. So when I was on the bike, everything, everything's been working really well. Yeah. Can you, can you lift your arm? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> feel, feel good. good. Yeah. It's crazy to see like how fast you're getting back to things on your bike too. Cause literally that day at Ray is where you're like, not even really supposed to be on the bike pedaling around the pump track and now flares already and stuff. That, uh, that was like only a, uh, might've been a month ago, but yeah, like, yeah, started on the pump track and just literally been adding a little bit of more difficulty each day or each week. And, you know, Ray's like it has everything in the world there. So, like, I was able to play around on all the baby jumps for like a couple weeks. And then I just kept progressing from there. And then our first session in the brew house, I would just do manuals and just watch everyone else ride. I wasn't really doing anything. Yeah. Uh, so. Tell me about PRP. PRP. Platelet. Platelet rich plasma. Yeah. So they pull blood out of you and then they set it through a centrifuge and like mm-hmm. spin it up, oxygenate all the blood and it pulls all the plasma and all the, the good stuff out of your blood. Yeah. And then they re-inject it into whatever injured area you have. So I got two or i got three rounds of it actually i got it done when i had surgery then i flew out again for in december and got it done and then got it done just on monday a few days ago and it hurts really bad when they inject it that was the first time i like nearly passed out oh wow this time i was like expecting it and i was like oh i feel okay but it still hurt really bad but it's just supposed to it's Mainly, it's they see a lot of uh, good things with tendons and ligament damage for mm-hmm. when you use PRP. Like Nikita Dukaro told me she got it done in her knee, and a couple other people told me they got it done in their knee and it helped a lot. Hmm. I'm not really sure this this is the second round of that I was like aware of. So I don't know. It takes a couple weeks to kick in. Um, I wasn't like too sold on the first time because my I actually have a partial tear in my other shoulder, same exact rotator cuff. Um, so they're like, "Oh, we'll just PRP that one and keep an eye on it until maybe we'll have to fix it later down down the road." Yeah. But I was like, "Oh, that should help my shoulder." And then like a month later, it started ag- like it was really aggravated again. This one still bugs me, or the non-surgical one still bugs me. So I'm hoping this PRP might make a difference. This yeah. second, so we'll see. I don't know. Is it something that you like feel personally that when you did it the first couple of times? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm really because uh, Johnny DeBalso is really curious too, and he wants to know. And I was like, I, I'm getting it done again, and I'll really pay attention this time because it's it's just so subtle, really. Yeah. And, but I feel good, like, health-wise, so it's like maybe it is helping. Like, 
the doctor basically said it's not going to hurt anything and you might as well he's like i want to throw everything i got at it yeah huh he thought about uh stem cells allowed for olympic athletes dude the guy actually does it and and so the way they do it is they pull bone marrow out of your pelvis yeah he's like they're not as great as the ones you find outside the country Mm -hmm. Panama, like i know is a popular place for them yeah so he was he's not like super confident but he was like you could try it and it would help because there's that's what we my wife researched a ton she's like you got to get stem cells like people have a lot of success with rotator cusps with stem cells Mm -hmm. Um, but surgery was the route i took um yeah i don't know so some doctors were like really weirded out about the stem cell stuff and then this doctor is like he does it through yeah. your bone marrow stuff or through your pelvis and he likes it but we just i just didn't end up scheduling that or i don't know if i want to do that yeah maybe for this shoulder we'll try it down the road i, I don't know that's well, what i wondered because i feel like i've heard people talk about surgical stuff making it so that like it's not as effective to do stem cells but maybe maybe it makes sense. I don't know. I didn't even know if it'd be like allowed if you could still compete in the Olympics after doing that. I guess you can. Though. Well, could be worth it. Yeah. Talk to Rooftop. He actually had it done. Yeah. Uh, me and Scott Powell, the owner of Chango, he really wants stem cells done, and we were like discussing it, like for his shoulders, and I because he knows. Danny Way had it done, but I didn't know Rooftop had it done. Maybe I'll tell Scott to hit him up. Yeah, he. I talked to him about it, and he's been posting on Instagram every couple weeks or so, just talking about his experience with it. Oh, and, wow. I mean, when he talked about it, I asked if he would recommend it, and he's like, I would literally recommend this for anyone who's getting to their upper 20s or over 30 and still wants to compete where it's like, you have to take a little bit of time off because the way he described it is like when you do that, you can like kill those cells or redirect what they're doing to an area. If you like are trying to heal your knee, but you fall on your other knee, like it seemed like the way you described it was like if you hurt your other knee, it's possible that it gets helped by that too. So it's not like fully doing what you're trying to. Yeah. I could see that. That's insane. Makes sense. I don't know. Could be worth. It's just yeah. expensive, I guess. Yeah, it's like six k out of pocket in Panama or something like that. Crazy. And he he said something like it was a minimum of like twelve for where he went. Oh, oh, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's gone up. I really don't know. He said that there's like a lot of different places you can go, and and the extent of the experience will vary based on where you go. And where he went, it was just they were there for everything it was a full experience where it wasn't like a doctor visit where you go in there they shoot you up and you just leave that's so weird yeah but i don't know i'm I'm glad to see you riding though thank you yeah i'm hopeful that that regenerative regenerative medicine when we need it or absolutely need it, it'll be more accessible by then mm-hmm. i mean it seems like 
a lot of research is showing that it's good, so I'm hopeful that it will come into the into our world where like maybe insurance will cover it or something. Right, that's the main thing. Like insurance doesn't cover that stuff. Yeah, maybe they will. So, are you? I mean, the way you were talking just now sounds like you're planning on competing this oh, year. Yeah, um, Beast in France in May is the first event I'll be headed back to really excited really working hard for that one yeah um i don't know if i'll hit a like a smaller event just to get like brush off the cobwebs or something but like the doctor also said like try not to compete more than you have to for like a few months Mm -hmm. so just gotta like monitor my load for a while yeah makes sense yeah so how much does it realistically affect you that you missed those couple events for your like chances of doing stuff truly no one has a clue yet (laughs) for real (laughs) it's like so insane like like yeah usa cycling we don't know the qualifying process for 2024 yet like and it's already started, like, technically. So, we, like, UCI has been, like, I don't know. No one really has any information. So, it's kind of, like, it's just funny. But uh, It's kind of crazy. It's insane. All we know is there's supposed to be a 2024 qualifying series. So, you actually have to qualify for that series. And then that series will be the one where that determines the top 12 or who, what countries and all that jazz huh. well i would hope that missing just a couple would not like completely kill your chances of qualifying dude. for the qualifying yeah i'm praying dude like because i we really don't know um i'm confident i could do well enough the rest of the year but it's it's not easy and like watching these events like the riding doesn't slow down, or like the riding doesn't get any easier mm-hmm but it's also super motivating. Like uh, that's what I love. That's what I love doing, and it's motivating when you're like, "Oh, I have to get better." Like I, I thrive off that. Like that's why I ride. I just want to get better every time I ride my bike. Yeah. Even if it's just this, even if it's com- competition level stuff, or even if it's like a, a simple tech tech trick that I've never done before, or something. I mean, I think we all all relate to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. At least most of us anyway yeah did you know like how far ahead of the previous olympics did you guys know what you had to do is that (laughs) like a long ways but is it totally different this time it's different this time because of this qualifying series that they added to the mix but in 2018 we had a solid like in paper of what you needed to do like let's say cycling had their own power rankings yeah based off of points you earned individually at each world cup like based on placings which is really ironic because end of 2019 i did really well at the world championship in the last v-stop and then i was like middle of building my warehouse like not having a clue where i was in the standings but I was just like, oh, I did well. I'm very grateful for that. And I'm like happy I'm able to build my warehouse right now. 
but it like hit me in the middle of nowhere where I was like, wait a second, there's a power rankings. Like I totally like wiped all that <laughs> stuff out of my mind because there's, it it's just very, uh, I don't know. It's like, it messes with your mind. You could like sit there and like calculate points all day. And it's just like, at the end of the day, you just need to ride your bike well. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, I just like kind of wiped it all away. But like it was the end of twenty or at a, end of twenty nineteen, I was like, "Holy crap!" There's a power rankings, and I like just did the math in my head. I was like, "I'm tied with Justin. Like, I could if USA's number one, we're both going. Like that was that was the goal. Like, uh, so it's just funny that we knew the power rankings, but I completely forgot about it until like it got closer and real. Um, yeah. So technically since you don't know anything now, it's kind of similar to forgetting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In my favor, it might be what good. Yeah. <laughs> that's Maybe that's how I operate. I don't know. We'll see. Or, or do you, did you guys know a couple months ago, but you forgot? No, I truly, <laughs> cause like this time around, like I'm so like, I need to know, like, I don't yeah. know where I stand. Like I miss, miss, last world championships last year and the, the the last world cup and then the world cup in february i'm like doing it does that even mean anything like it like it's kind of like i like playing i like going with the flow and like focusing on just riding but you still want a general idea so like i want that idea of like okay what does it even look like but maybe it's maybe it's the universe telling me like you don't need to know like just keep doing what you do I, I i don't know that's the way i look at it yeah and that totally makes sense but at the same time too it's like kind of need to know which events <laughs> you need to prioritize so yeah. that you don't just be like well we're just going along here and then the end of the year you could have went to all these events that you didn't and i know it that's... screws you over yeah because we have smaller sanctioned events called U- ucic one events yeah the ones at Woodward, mm-hmm. which those were like important, and we didn't really know that early on in the process. USA barely went to any use uh, C1s, but like Australia was like hosting their own C1s, making sure Logan and and uh, Brandon maxed out all their C1 points because uh-huh. you have, could have up to six UC or uh, up to six C1 wins to count towards your country. But all, every USA guy were like. We didn't go to any. We barely went to any C ones because we were told it doesn't really matter because it didn't matter in the power ranking. Yeah, but um, only World Cups and use uh, the World Championship counted to what we were trying to do. But we were like, oh, we could have got USA even more points if we maxed out our C ones. Wow. So I don't. That's a. I'm really hoping, like that's another strategy we could use to qualify our country. Mm-hmm. But, but like I said, I don't. I, we don't really know. Like, yeah, so it's, crazy. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of hilarious just because it's I don't know. Like maybe 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 Nyquist is just not telling me, so I don't worry about the points. Maybe everyone else knows, but I, I haven't asked any other riders to be honest. I don't. That's but me and Nyquist are really tight. We just we talk like every week. Yeah, well, I would hope he wouldn't just not. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure he would. I mean, he needs to know, too, and he's, like, frustrated with the whole system. Yeah, and, I mean, maybe he knows you that well that he's just like, yeah, if I don't (laughs) tell Nick. Maybe. 
That's pretty funny. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, so what sparked this whole thing in us talking tonight is the brew house and in your shirts. I was like, oh, sick. He's selling these shirts. Shirt. Yeah, you, you probably should have. If you want to go grab one, though, I can uh, hold people over for a second. All right. Yeah. Okay. Are you so. Sure about that, or is that fine? I got you. We're good. <laughs> Don't worry. I wanted to rep DK, you know. Hey, I get it. Shout out to DK. We'll talk about them later too. Uh, so, if you guys weren't aware, somehow you live under a rock. Nick has been. He's had this warehouse called the Brew House for since 2019. I think he was saying, and with that. The brew house is expensive to run, and I'll let him tell that part of the story. But he has just released this shirt that he's using the sales from to help him keep the brew house going. And so he's on his way to get one of those shirts. And I just wanted to talk about the brew house in general because I feel like it's had a genuine impact on just BMX in northern Ohio and and a lot of those other just people who wouldn't normally get to ride something like that on a regular basis that are now so it's cool ordered an extra small shirt for the huckster nice shout out to huck karinsky in the chat oh fat guy bmx is here as well if you're listening to the audio only version of this i do these literally live so that people can tune in and chat with us we got 21 people here watching right now and if any of you have like a topic of conversation or anything like that to talk with nick about go ahead and leave it in the chat i'm always paying attention to it i just try to bring things in with their, when they're relevant and i've got got a pretty good list of things to talk about today with nick talking about his youtube channel watching some old videos old sponsors hey there he is wow he even changed pro there's the shirt yeah all right so can fun you quick. what's that this is fun fact real quick this is the first photo we've ever taken in the brew house right before the first ever session oh so behind the scenes on the shirt we got henry right here the dog doesn't come with the shirt yeah sorry guys i mean that's a cheap dog if so it's 25 bucks <laughs> <laughs> No, I wanted to kind of just get the background on kind of sort of the, the post you made, I guess. Just telling that story a little bit and, and the significance of that shirt if people wanted to pick one up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to clear a few things up about that. Yeah, like, perfect. Uh, for one, thank you for uh, uh, my wife actually has the... Uh, her, she's watching the live on her phone, and I kind of heard a few things you were saying during that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, oh, man. Yeah, I guess uh, as I'm sure, <laughs> just like I, I feel like everyone's in the same boat right now. Like financially, it's just just tough time time in our. Uh, in our lives right now for right. just who knows the economy we just got out of a pandemic um but yeah with that said like you well, you built the brew house in 2019 right yeah 2019 built so the brew house you built that you put all this money into these ramps and and rent each month and it's been going for 
shoot, I mean, at least three and a half years at this point, right? Being 2018. Yeah. We finished it February 2020. Uh, three years so three years and and up until recently i think you were taking care of everything like personally with stuff but the post comes in with that side of things in that the main thing about it is that a lot of people didn't know that there was a point where you were like about to take it down yeah, I kept it complete secret. Like even the guys riding there, every like during while I was recovering, I let a bunch of people still ride, and I didn't say a word to any of them. Only a couple of close friends knew. Like oh, like, and a lot of them offered like anything like monthly. Uh, shout out to Nick Yanetta, Phil, Phil Hudson, and Sean Baresi and Paul Rad. They all like offered, just like chipping in a little bit of monthly, mm-hmm. which very nice um but yeah like like i said the surgery kind of like blindsided me so i had no preparation and then i didn't know if i was going to be on the usa team for this year um but thankfully they honored it because they were the ones that pushed me to get the surgery Mm -hmm. um so thank you usa cycling but it would if i lost usa cycling i would have lost my health insurance and and just a nice pay like they right. they give you a yearly stipend and that all that money goes to my warehouse rent and I I got I'm on a lower tier than I normally am so like that cut that pay cut got cut in half and then other pay cuts from sponsors so it's just like a very uncertain like three months where I was like dude I truly don't know if I'm gonna be able to afford the brew house. Yeah. And, it, and things were already tight after losing a big sponsor like Weed Maps. And uh, Champion also came around for uh, Olympic stuff. So those were two. So, yeah, like, just it's just warehouse isn't cheap. Yeah. And, and, like, I knew that. Like, I knew, like, taking on that financial responsibility and like I'm going to invest in myself and in my riding and then a pandemic happened so I didn't have any events for a year and a half and then thankfully I still sponsors were paying really well and then and then uh, 22 came around 2022 came around and I still have this nagging shoulder injury and I'm not doing as well as I want to and then I lost weed maps and then there was a couple pay cuts and I was like oh okay like this is pretty tough um so yeah I was just like do I uh keep this warehouse going and just scrape by or get rid of it and then train at Ray's, maybe take trips to Woodward, maybe take trips to North Carolina. Yeah. But like during the, my recovery time when I was like in a sling and watching everyone ride and like watching people like, and that was the first time I really opened up my doors. Cause truthfully, like, I don't know about you or anybody else, like COVID really like, like, I, I don't want to sound weird, but it gave me, like, a lot of social anxiety coming back to normal life. Oh, I gotcha. A lot of people. So, like, especially with 
all the crazy rules just to get to Tokyo. Like you had to pause, like you had to have a negative test, like for a while, like, uh, we were testing, like we had like six tests before we even got on the plane. Yeah. And then we had to test to go to the world championship, which was the last qualifier for the Olympics. So I was just a paranoid mess, like not wanting to test positive. So mm-hmm. I would brew house like really tight with just friends that I knew that were, it's funny because I think a couple had COVID or I got COVID too, but, but it's just like, I was just trying to minimize any risk regarding, and then world gets back to normal and I'm like, I'm having anxiety going to raise being around a bunch of people riding in front of them. Like it was like such a weird feeling. Like I finally feel normal now. But it's like such a weird transition. I don't know if other people have experienced that with their pandemic crap, but um, just really weird. But so like, yeah, so like I'm, I'm in a sling. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to let whoever wants to come ride, I'll let them ride. And it was just so magical watching new people come into the door and like how much they love the ramps and how much they're learning and like progressing. And I'm like, like dude i can't get rid of this place like this is too like it's helped my riding so much it helped marcus christopher riding riding like during the pandemic and stuff like he's done some worlds first like it's done it's just like it's like woodward but in cleveland like Mm -hmm. like you could get a woodward level session just and you could ride rays in the same day if you want like it's just like so important like and uh so like during that like recovery process it's like there's no way i'm tearing it down and then thankfully like usa's like i'm on the team for this year and i'm okay but like so like i want to clear it up like i'm not like i'm not like i don't want people to like jump on this and like thinking like i I need your their absolute help oh yeah i gotcha but it was more of just like like being a like like you know social media looks rose like rainbows and butterflies nick has his warehouse like he must be doing great yeah i just want to be like hey like i don't know if this is going to be around any much or i don't know if this will be around for another year or i know for this year it's i'm i'll make it happen but i don't know about the future right so like right now i'm just like this is our second t-shirt we made but I don't know. This shirt means a lot to me, and like the support that I have gotten so far, like has been, I'm like shocked. Like it really helps, and it helps a lot because I just tore down the step up. Like I'm rebuilding stuff, and mm-hmm. I thought for sure I was gonna reuse all the wood, but it turns out I did need to buy some more wood, which we found a good deal on Facebook Marketplace. Nice. On a bunch of sheets, and that saved me a lot of money. Um, but it's just like. Warehouse, like in propane, like there's so many random expenses throughout the year, like, and then on top of that, like traveling and whatnot, like it's, like I just don't, I just wanted to make sure, like, I wasn't being like. It's not a GoFundMe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Your shirt isn't a GoFundMe. It's you kind of being like a business and selling a product to help pay for this other thing that you do. Yeah, something like that. And that's why 
Well, not the real reason I started the YouTube. The real reason is like, I miss doing videos. Mm -hmm. You were at Ray's and all the kids were like, you should bring your YouTube back. Oh yeah, that got to be a theme for a second. I don't know if it was because you talked about it or what, but that was the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I didn't even say I was going to, and they were like all hyped on it. I was like, okay, maybe there's like, maybe it could be something mm-hmm. or like maybe it'll help inspire guys or get people motivated and like if they're in the video they're stoked or something like yeah gets people stoked around here and i'm like okay i didn't really see it like that before and then in, and when i was doing youtube before like i was earning a little bit so i was like oh maybe it could help offset the cost like i know it's a long-term thing like but if i stick to the channel for a year maybe it'll help in the end or maybe it won't i really don't know but I, just, I feel like I'd be doing myself I, – I feel like I wouldn't be doing everything I can to keep the brew house around if I wasn't trying the certain things I'm trying, you know? Mm-hmm. Not, like, begging people – I'm not doing a GoFundMe. Like, people ask me, like, you should just do a GoFundMe. I'm like, no, dude, I'm not – that's just weird to me. I don't know. Like, no offense to anyone that has done it. Like, I know it's very helpful in ways Yeah. medical stuff, but, like, I'm in a very blessed spot. Like, I'm very – taken care of by like my sponsors but we're just I, I think that's a reason why there's not many pro BMX riders that have their own private warehouse they all have backyard ramps like yeah sense. yeah it's yeah it's insane I'm sure and it just makes sense to do things like that and I think talking about people being stoked to be in your videos and talking about the impact that the brew house has had just on the scene locally since you opened it up more and how those things could work together to push it even further is just a cool thing to think about and before we fully talk about youtube i did want to talk more about the impact of the brew house on ohio bmx because it's certainly had one yeah Dude, guys have progressed so much. Sean? Sean. Sean um, has gone crazy lately. Yeah. Chris Selipak, he's been... Yeah, him too. Marcus? I don't even do. Yeah, Marcus. Marcus is just... I mean, Marcus was always going to get to where he is right now, but the brew house just, I think, made it happen even faster. Yeah, because, I mean, it's only in 50, 50 minutes from his house to here. Right. Versus us driving four hours to Woodward, like Yep. And he could come here whenever he wants, like And sleep in his own bed. And, yeah, exactly. And you guys can build whatever you want to there and ride till three AM. Yeah, do whatever we want really. Yeah. It's just yours and it's just I think it's had a pretty significant impact. Just even for people like Noah. Oh yeah. Watching Noah ride there, he's been pushing it and and people like Noah, it's just it's what you said about you could ride the brew house and then ride rays in the same day. That's pretty much normal Saturdays right now. Is yeah. where people are riding the brew house and then Aiden Aiden's probably one of the like shining examples of yeah. progression from from the brew house existing. I agree, and thank you for shining light on that. Because, yeah, it, yeah, that's why I built the place. Like, 
I love Rays, I love Changa, but there's many tricks at the brew house that I can't do at the at Changa Rays just because the ceilings and ramp sizes. Yep. So when people come into the brew house, immediately their level riding steps up because they have big ramps to ride. Yep. Um, and it's just awesome. Like, and that's what I compete on. Like, it's just something. And it's always been my dream. Like, literally, even when I started, like, when I went to my first skate park, Shebang Skate Park in Erie, Pennsylvania, just something about ramps in a warehouse. Like, ever since I was, like, 12, I, if there's if we're driving by a building, in, or, like, even when I'd go to church as a kid, I was like, I feel like we could put a skate park in here. Like, mm. always had a vision for, like, ramps inside a building. Yeah, and, that's awesome. It's just, like, a crazy feeling to, like, finally, like, do it yourself and, like, be able to do that. Yeah. And talking about everybody else's riding, another point, too, is I feel like your riding is better than it's ever been. <laughs> and and I don't know that that would have happened without the brew house. Yeah, I, I, I agree, dude. Like, that place has helped my riding so much. It's just... Because I just love being able to do my hardest tricks every day. That's why, I mean, not only that's what I have to do to stay prepared for competitions, but it's genuinely what I like doing. Like, I love that feeling of, like, holy crap, I just scared myself with that hard trick. Mm -hmm. And then, like, Rays and Chenga, like, you could only do so much by, like, changing up a different, or, like, trying different transfers. and but you can't just send a new trick on the resi without hitting the ceiling or something. Like I've hit the re I've hit the ceiling at Ray's and Chega many times trying right. to, and it's just like, ah, it's dangerous. Oh yeah. Wait until I go to Woodward or go to my parents' house where I used to have a little resi set up just to send new tricks. So, uh, yeah, just having, I don't know. Obviously like, it's just such a, dream come true like just like having your own spot where you don't have to worry about ceilings or anything yeah and it's not like you can have a two-hour session at woodward you know it's like oh i just got done working out all right gonna go eat lunch go to the brew house for two hours chill go to raise for the evening yeah. and, and you just can't do that at somewhere like woodward because of how far away it is yeah exactly you would have to literally live there you know yeah, literally, um, before I built the brew house, I was really, like, debating, like, I think I got to move, like, mm. like, I want to progress, I want to, like, I just want to ride like that every day, I don't want to wait once a month or twice a month to go to Woodward and have those sessions. Right. And it was, like, a huge decision whether to take it on financially, like, I'd be, like, it's funny, like, I would be so financially fine if I moved somewhere. But, like, I just love Cleveland. I love Ohio for some reason. I'm sure you get it. Like, mm. something about being an Ohio guy. It's just like. Listen, you don't have to explain it to me. I ride Worcester Skate Park. Yeah, you ride. Right. <laughs> like, like, you get it? I'm not tired of that place. Still. Yeah. Dude, yeah. And we have two of the best indoor parks in the world, Rays and Changa. Like, within 15 minutes of each other. Yeah, and you have a nice airport. Like I could go anywhere I need to. Yep. And then Lake Erie has nice beaches. Believe it or not. Like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> maybe, I, I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't know how much I can let that one go. <laughs> hey, if you just want to lay in the sun on some sand, it have does you, job. Have you been to the Upper Peninsula, Nick? Kind of. <laughs> okay, well, that explains it. <laughs> That's funny. No, I mean, you can go to Cleveland's Beach, and it's not the worst thing ever. You, yeah. you, There's, I don't know, pretty much everything you could want to really do is somewhere, but I, I really feel like the brew house has had just such a significant impact on BMX and just the level of riding of a few people here in Ohio that it would really suck to see it go away. So that's part of my motivation for like putting the word out here further to be like, look guys, he's got this shirt. He's doing the YouTube. You guys got to check it out. Thank you. Very much. Yeah. Any little bit helps, you know, like mm-hmm. it does like any little bit, like it goes a long way and I'm not, and I don't take it for granted by any means. Like it means a lot. Like, uh, and it means a lot to the guys that get to ride it. Like, Exactly. I almost feel like a responsibility when I see something like this and it uh, seeing it impact like my friends. I'm like, dude, I got to help with this. So, dude, yeah, you texted me like as soon as I posted that. I was, <laughs> it was within minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, thank you, Brand. Yeah. But I, I think, too, is just it, the more you do stuff like this shirt or – keep going with youtube you'll just develop even more of a business mindset to where you can do even more things that will make it even easier and even just the youtube channel the more that grows the more opportunities there are through just that to do things that will make it even better and with what you're doing and now we can transition to talking about youtube in that you're documenting the actual changes that are happening at at the brew house which is something for other people to follow along with more than just on Instagram. You're like, look guys, this is what we're doing today. And this is the people who are doing it. And then we're going to have a session and yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for the new change up or changes because the step up was kind of like, I don't know. No one, you couldn't sit on that deck unless you're riding the step. Oh yeah. So now the new setup, there'll be, way more deck space so i could actually welcome more because that's another thing like 10 people in there it feels so crowded Mm. um so i'm hoping the the new stuff i'm building will uh just open up more deck space so like maybe we could have a good or a party in there i don't know know. oh yeah have a band or something Dude, believe it or not, there's a guy with a band that hits me up on Instagram. Like, he stopped, but it was like almost every week. He's like, "Can I please play my band in here?" <laughs> like, so maybe down the road, who knows? But yeah, that's gets dangerous. I know. Yeah, like it's not. But that's another thing. Like, I would love to host a jam there, but it's just it's not in the best area. Like it's like it's a there's a reason why it's private. Like. Mm-hmm. It's just like you don't want to. There's not even bathrooms in there. Like it's just like a as raw as it gets. Just a warehouse with ramps. Yeah, that's what I wanted. I wanted to go in, do my thing. I mean, we've been hanging out and playing basketball too lately, which has been so fun. Yeah, and, and building ramps and stuff. It's like you could we could hang out in there, but it's not. Uh, I just built it just for the riding and having good quality sessions. Like it's really, really it. 
Well, I think you have an opportunity with YouTube and the brew house. I mean, it's not the same thing as what Scotty's channel started based on because that was like a full out indoor skate park right. and, and what they were doing. But I think you have an opportunity in just that there's a consistent crew of people that are awesome dudes that are fun to ride with and you making videos and they're stoked about that too to yeah. to bring people into this world and i think people will be stoked about it that's great yeah yeah i'm still i've been out of the youtube loop for a while well, i'm here to help yeah i would love any ideas or well first of all I don't even care if I get to ride. I just want to play knockout. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, 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 I've never talked to you about the brew house one time until you made a knockout post. <laughs> I was like, dude, knockout. I need to play. Dude. Yeah. The hoops. I got my wife gives me crap every week. Cause she got the hoop for my birth or uh, for my birthday the one year. Cause mm -hmm. she love just shooting around and she's like, you're mounting it in the brew house. And it took a while. And then I finally put it up. Now it's hanging on two screws. Barely. Oh, yeah. So I got to fix it. But every week she's like, when are you going to fix the hoop? Not like, not in a mean way, but just like in a fun, playful, like, Nick, like I got you this hoop and you love And everyone's been loving the hoop. Like you got to make it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, one, you know, you know, Brooke Treen, right? Yeah. One day we played a serious one-on-one -on -one game after the session and the hoop just got destroyed. <laughs> like I don't know too much was, dunking or what? No dunking. It was just <laughs> just the wall. They're mounting something to a brick wall. Oh, I gotcha. It's a project, man. It's not easy. And I I thought I had it designed super well, but now I have different ideas of how to mount it. So once yeah, you're more than welcome to come anytime. By the way, but uh, I figured I just. I wasn't enticed until I saw Knockout. <laughs> uh, I just uh, every Saturday after the session we get the heated Knockout games, and it's like it just like it's so fun, dude. Like I used to play that with my friends in middle school. And yeah, that, me too. <laughs> yeah, all I remember. I I literally like going to high school and having lunchtime, and then the middle the free time after lunch. That was it. Knockout. And it does. I was like obsessive about it. And I think even that is a fun thing to include in a YouTube video that people would be stoked to watch just because it's fun. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we'll, we'll incorporate that soon. Yeah. And I'm definitely here to help with all of that too, just because I've lived all that and been obsessed with the back end of YouTube as well. But it's changed a lot since I since six years ago. How so? What do you mean? I don't know how to enter keywords. I don't know how to do yeah. All the, all the backend stuff is gone, or I don't really know how to do it anymore. Holy cow! Yeah, you didn't you didn't live through them changing to the new studio thing. Oh, the studio! I'm like, what am I like? What is? <laughs> it works a, a lot better now. But oh, it does. Yeah, it's just it learning. Kind of annoyed me though. I was like, I, I'm not doing YouTube again. This is all stupid now. Like I was like kind of turned off for a moment. That is funny. Yeah, it it's all different now. But I think once you figure out the buttons, you'll be fine. Okay. 
Yeah, I haven't watched anything on it. I just been uploading, doing the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I literally work on my computer all day long, every day. So if you're doing something and you got a question, I'm here. Sure. Somebody you. else brought up a good point. At least they brought up something that made me think about it. Someone said more hitching posts, please. And that, I mean, even just where oh. a video where you're like, oh, we're going to make a sub box for the day and I'm going to do sub box tricks, even though what you're used to seeing is a a drunk driver or whatever, not drunk driver, air traffic controller. <laughs> True. Um, I built my box. Like it used to be a driveway. Mm-hmm. Is it a... It's on the right side, or your left. This? I think yeah. so. That's the long and low? Yeah, it used to be a long and low dri- little driveway. Yeah. I built a six and a half foot tall Spox that I can easily put a hitching post in there. Nice. Like, like that's something me and my buddies, or uh, Nick Digital Roma actually requested. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's potential there. Like, have a removable sub box or a sub rail or hitching post. That's definitely been in the talks. Like, it's something I think about all the time. But I do have a movable sub box that I built during the pandemic that we were playing around with. And Nick D, like, destroyed it. I mean, that's what he does. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't do toothpicks on sub box, but he was like, toothing it like first tee, like, it was nothing. I'm like, dude, what the hell? That dude is just incredible. And another tip for you, use the notes thing on your phone for YouTube ideas because every single time I think of an idea, I just put it in there and then it's there. Yeah. They make uh, checkbox things now so you can check them off as they happen. It's, It's nice. So yeah, pick up a shirt. Everyone in the Midwest wants a hitching post. Well, I think just people in general like seeing hitching post riding. Yeah. But they don't want to do it. No, I don't. They just want to see it. Like, you're talking about a six and a half foot quarter with a hitching post, and I'm like, I hope it's only a foot tall. Yeah, we'll make it friendly. For sure. Friendly on a six and a half foot quarter is scary. It's a mellow quarter, though. Oh, is it? Yeah, so it's. Compared to something that I would know. Is like there a, anything? Like a six and a half box though. So it's that, not like That's pretty gnarly, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, it's the Red Bull lip but with a sub on it. I'm like Yeah, literally. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's kinda gnarly. Yeah, it, kinda. <laughs> that's funny. Either way though, the shirt link is down below so people can pick those up and then I mean, I'm sure you'll figure out more stuff to do in the future, and it'll be cool. Maybe you could even do. Someone asked about brew house and coffee. Yes, it is coffee related. It is coffee related. So maybe you could do some kind of coffee thing with like Roth Brog. I know. I was thinking that, like, some sort of coffee collab with whomever may want to do something like that. But um, who knows? Yeah, there's. I feel like. Like, I'm a very positive person. Like, I feel like there's tons of avenues and opportunities, but it's really hard when I get tunnel vision back into riding. Yeah. um, But I do want to be more creative, and, like, that's something that I would 
want to do for myself like just figure out different ways like i'm mm -hmm. very interested in business stuff and just anything really like i'm open to anything really right for sure and the more you do it the more those ideas come and it's it's cool and i think it'll be exciting to see that and just the fact that you put it out there in that post and now you're talking about it means that just more and more stuff is gonna come out of thin air what it seems like yeah like, yeah uh i did want to ask are you still doing everything 100 percent yourself on youtube like filming editing all of it uh so i've outsourced the the cutting everything down to my wife nice she loves uh well she's a photographer so she loves photoshop she loves working on her computer and she has the time and because uh, that's the hardest or not the hardest part that's the longest part going through an hour an hour or two hours of footage cutting it down to 20 15 minutes yep and i just go in and clean up like she'll chunk it down to like 30 minutes 20 to 30 minutes and then i'll chunk it down to like whatever it is 10 to 15 minutes yeah it's a good process yeah so that's been super helpful like that was she's she's been pushing me to get through the youtube since we met like bring it back bring it back and i'm like nah <laughs> <laughs> nah that's funny well it is back it's back and we're trying to keep, stay consistent as possible um yeah that's all i can say yeah so how many videos you got in the can right now just just one <laughs> i love how we had that conversation and then the video just went up <laughs> i was like nice yeah. i got impatient um but no the the next video is my first session back padded up because uh i haven't been padding up until saturday last saturday which we filmed and then today i padded up nice um yeah just to make sure i was keeping everything chill for a while mm -hmm. um so yeah so i think that's a fun idea like oh nick's or my it's just something i wanted to document really like my first session back with pads on i stepped it up a little bit than i would have have been doing oh yeah and because you have all so many of these super quick sessions you could film you know five to ten minute long videos so easily and all you have to do is be aware enough to flip the camera around and just talk about your thought process in that moment in time exactly yep. it's so i mean i i used to not like riding alone i used to hate riding alone just because yeah. it sucks but then i realized that filming filming myself while i'm riding alone gives you like a goal to work towards and it almost feels like you're not riding alone and yep. yeah you're talking to the camera and you're documenting it yeah it's like you're talking to all the people who are going to be watching and and then it makes it easier but then at the same time you just think about you just talk through what you're doing out loud and it's it's nice I agree. When I was doing YouTube before, there was a lot of solo sessions on my back, my parents' backyard resi ramp, and it was just—I mean, I'm used to riding that alone. I was used to riding that alone, but yeah, something about holding the camera and you're just like going through the process of what trick you're about to do. Like, it's very comforting, or like it—it just changes the whole dynamic of the session versus just like, all right, I'm just gonna put some music on and do 
X amount of tricks and leave. Yeah, it's pretty hard to send it. Yeah. <laughs> You're by yourself with no motivation. <laughs> yeah. It's good to see everything coming back for you, though. I'm stoked. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So if you didn't get the hint, people, subscribe to his channel. That's also down below. But, I mean, is there anything YouTube-wise that we didn't talk about before I talk about something else? Marcus Wolk. Is Marcus Wolk going to come back? <laughs> He's a police officer now. I saw that. He is fully entrenched in that world. I mean, he's... He's the man for the job. That's he can be your security guard on the channel. Dude, I want. I was literally like, if I ever have a jam, he's gonna be the security guard outside the doors. Um, yes. But no, he uh, he rode the brew house like a few a couple months ago. Like he was like, I just need to ride my bike, and it was the first time. Like, cause he was waiting for his physical agility or physical assessment test, mm -hmm. the police academy. He did not want to hurt, get hurt, or like jeopardize that by right. So he finally passed all his tests. He's a police officer now. He's like, now I'm ready to ride. And then he came to the brew house, which I was like, dude, you should go to Ray's for your first time back after like months and months and months. You off. know he doesn't work like that. But he was so intimidated, he didn't really want to do anything. He didn't really ride. Wow, I'm surprised. Yeah, like it's been a while since he's ridden. Um, so I'll, I got to get him back. I think he'll make it. I don't know if he wants to make an appearance, but maybe one day we'll get him on there because it's funny. That he may have had the fastest progression out of anyone I've ever seen in my life ride bikes. Like it made no sense. Like he was so determined to learn flip whips, flip bar bar, or like anything. Like Didn't he? Was, he? It was insane. Flare whips. Didn't he flip whip like the spine? Yeah, he's so. <laughs> yeah. been riding for how long? Six months or something? Yeah, like a year, and he's flip whipping spines. And yeah, he was. He's his mindset. Like when he wants something, dude. Like there's no stopping it. It's like really inspiring. Yeah, I remember watching that, and it was just crazy to see <laughs> how fast everything was happening. Just insane. Yeah pretty uh, cool shout yeah. out to marcus wolk <laughs> that's funny man maybe i gotta get him back that, i mean just at least to like for a video sometime because it'd be yeah. fun well, maybe he'll be into the knockout video more he than... can call shots for you oh yeah he would be good at that one i think so but today when i was just kind of trying to prepare for this and i normally in my instagram post will put a song from a person's video part from the past so i was looking everything up and i was like geez every single one of nick's videos has some royalty free music that youtube doesn't recognize because it's royalty free so i can't like unless i record the audio from it i'm glad i found cleveland rocks though i was <laughs> yeah. but it's what it's suitable yeah it felt good i was like dang this is perfect that's why i didn't find a good song but through watching these videos i just i kind of recognize that it felt like your progression in riding has been a pretty steady trajectory of you're just consistently getting better but it made me wonder if you felt like there was 
a specific moment in time or trick or period of time where you really kind of saw things and you're like, oh man, I'm progressing really fast right now or something. Like a moment in time? Something where it was like, holy, like, I don't want to say like the made it moment, but Dude. something like that. Yeah, like, uh, this makes me happy when I think about it. Um, so like in high school, I kind of quit riding because a lot of parks were closing down. Okay. Wedgwood opened up my senior year, I think, but they, they like went on, like in and like, they've been at four different parks, like half pipe mics, gravity house, stomping grounds. Now mm -hmm. Wedgwood ramps. So they've been through like a lot of owner changes. Yeah. And like, I was barely riding, even though I had, I was just working a lot with my dad. Um, and then uh, college came around where I was like able to like schedule my classes. So I would schedule my classes so I could go ride. Did I tell you this in my other podcast or the first podcast? Maybe, but it doesn't matter. Okay. I have uh, like 40,000 less people here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so college, I was able to make my own schedule. So I would schedule it so I could go drive up to Cleveland after class And I would tell my dad, like, oh, I have class tonight. I can't work. Oh. I would literally be driving up to Cleveland. Yeah. And then I would, I would ride with Bob Mead, Rob Armour, and Nick DiGilaroma. And, like, since in college, like, I just started learning. Like, I'd learned triple whips padless in, like, two seconds. And Nick D was like, that's not right. Like, you should be riding bike normal or, like, more. And I'm like, oh, maybe I will. And then, like. That was like 2011 going into 2012, mm -hmm. and like I just like started learning so much, so many tricks, just by going to Chenga regularly and riding with Bob Mead and Rob Armour and uh, Nick Dizaroma. Um and then there's still the local dudes, Nick Yanetta, like Rob, Rob Geel. Those guys were doing tricks that I would only see in videos, and they're doing them like chilling on a normal day of Changa and I'm like these guys are amazing so like just riding with those guys really like turned on like some switch like I've always always had like like I picked up tricks pretty quickly even when I was a young kid but I just like f stopped riding for a while like I didn't ride as much once parks were closing in Youngstown and it wasn't always easy to get up to Cleveland yeah. <clears throat> just do to work with my dad like doing construction stuff so it's like it's funny like college like you go to college to like get your career out of it i went to college for two years and got a bmx career out of it nice kind of insane like but it just somehow worked out where i was just like riding my progression level just kept going up because yeah. i was more and well, then uh, yeah Dude, that crew. I mean, just riding with Bob, Rob Arm, and Rob Armour is like. Yeah. They're amazing. Like, they do stuff. They could probably still do things today that no one's done. Like, and they were doing it every night at Chenga. And we would ride after hours Chenga till like 4 a.m. every night. Like, yeah. And I'd drive home and then go do a roof with my dad and then go to class. And then I don't know how I did it. Like, I lived off of a lot of energy drinks at that time. Ironic. 
Yeah. <laughs> Ironic that now you ride for a rock star. But, dude, that's like, I mean, I don't mean to, like, gloss over that part of things, but I just have to acknowledge how legendary those sessions at that period of time. I mean, Bob's videos, people can say whatever they want about Bob, but his riding. And suicide double bar flares. Just downside bike flips. flips. Downside bike flips. Both ways. Yeah. No one does that right now, yeah. No one. Literally no one. Yeah, so I owed a lot to Bob because he was the guy working Jenga. And he and they were just like so nice to me. Like they were like so like they just like Nick, you can learn all these tricks. Like blah blah blah, you're good. Like they were just so it was just a good crew, man. Like mm-hmm. I've all I mean, I've been friends with them for or like at that time we were all like close knit from like riding rays or like seeing each other at different maybe like local competitions or something. Yeah. But like getting us on in Chenga for after hours, it was like so magical, man. Like it was insane. Yeah, it's a crazy time period. I remember hearing about some of those sessions, and then you just see the videos that came out of it, of those tricks. It was just wild. Yeah, like, yeah. It's cool to hear that you kind of felt that that moment of just seeing things take off and then the possibilities of it. And it's, did you graduate in 2011? High school, yeah. Me too. Oh, weird. I didn't know that. Yeah. Pretty funny. But I don't know, man. Just I remember, I feel like I don't remember seeing you or knowing any about who you were or anything until the point where you were riding that green frame. When I was on Mad Gear? Yeah. And yeah. And I feel like the only reason I knew or heard anything was because I heard people talking shit because it was a scooter company. <laughs> That's hilarious. But was that your first bike sponsor? Oh, so believe it or not, my first bike sponsor was GT Bikes. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, when I was 16, Vital BMX, it was 2008, they did... Uh, a video project and it was me bobby canode oh bobby's was sponsored for by gt2 from this yeah we won this video series or video project on vital bmx and like i got a flowed gt for a year nice and then this one day they were up in cleveland riding rays and i could not i didn't have a ride to get to rays to meet the team or like meet them or meet whoever uh whoever was uh the the tm at the time mm-hmm. i think that like that fizzled out really quick but that was like such a i was like holy crap like this is a huge opportunity but i didn't wasn't able to make it and then like i then like five years later i won the free float tour as an amateur and i met and at the time, James Foster and Colton Satterfield rode for Mad Gear. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, we're going to get you on. Like, this is sick. Like, they pay for your travel. They pay, they like, they were like a really great sponsor. Like, not going to lie. Yeah. But 
and all their parts were KHE parts. So like whatever you wanted was just KHE stuff. Um, until they made their own frames, which I broke and bent in like one session. <laughs> China stuff. I think they were meant for uh, like beginners. Yeah. But like they gave it to me like as like no, this is an aftermarket frame. Like yeah, it wasn't high quality. But before Mad Gear, there was FDV clothing. Uh, Nick, Nikita Ducaro. Oh. Claims to be my first sponsor, but I claim GT as my first sponsor. Um, but I shout out to her. She like I made a video for her or for that clothing brand, and it was really cool. Like she, she had to have been so young at that time. She was so young. She was too shy to even like introduce herself at San Francisco Free Flow tour. But she like messaged me on Instagram or something, and then I was like, yeah, yeah, all right. Me and Mark Largo rode for them. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, Mad Gear. My argument, <laughs> they're <laughs> they were an action sports brand. Oh, to me, like I didn't know what the hell Mad Gear was. I don't have a, I don't know what's. I I mean, there's scooter riders at Changa, but I was riding after hours. Like I don't know. I only know BMX mm-hmm. and like my heroes, James, Fo- James Foster and Colton Satterfield. Like they're, they're fuck, like they're amazing riders. Right. They're riding for this brand and they say it's good. Like I'm going to, I'm going to jump on that. If, and like they're willing to, they helped me get to simple session, a bunch of other events and like, dude, like I, I'll ride for them again. If they were like around, like they, they, they were, uh, they got me to, they were a good stepping stone. They got me to events. It kind of was crappy the way things ended. Like they were say they would reimburse for a lot of things and they never did. Oh yeah. It like turned really sour, like in a bad way. But, uh, but in the beginning I was like, holy crap. Like they're, I'm able to go to simple session, like this dream event. Like, right. I don't care who you are. Like, you're not going to miss, like, I'm not, like, you'd have to be dumb to miss out on that opportunity. And to put perspective on that, say you're a rider who's young and up and coming and you get put on whatever big name brand at that time, chances are they're probably not going to be able to help you at that level to get to something like Simple Session. So the fact that you had a company like Mad Gear who's helping you get there kind of just, you know, it, I don't see it as a bad thing. I, I do remember people talking crap, and there was that comment video that I sent. Yeah, you sent me that. I didn't. What video was that on? I can't believe Billy said that. It was uh, it was some kind of edit for them, I think. Burn. That's hilarious. Woodward thing. I can't believe you said his name. I wasn't gonna. Uh, Billy Perry left a comment on this Mad Gear edit. And said, "Imagine being a BMX rider and riding for a scooter company." And this, it, the comment said, nine years ago." And I was like, yeah. "Holy crap, that is hilarious!" Hey man, it all—it was a stepping block to making my dream come true, and I was not turning anything down at that point. Oh, um, it totally makes sense, and I feel like for Mad Gear, like this goofy brand to total bmx like the chorus well you get more core with snm or something but like total bmx is like the chorus park brand in the freaking game like 
they they're definitely that's what they're known for yeah so i was just like i don't know things so like if there's any kids watching and if there's any goofy company that sponsors you and it's like means something to you or like can help you live something or like just i, I don't know you you shouldn't say no to things that, that if you're wanting to get anywhere like yeah as much as possible in your early days we only know the line for ourselves and to let other people's line dictate that for you and hold you back can suck and it happens and i feel like we see it with you know i mean people would say what they say about a company like radio bikes or like free agent or something like that where people might say things bad about them but when you look at what they're doing for someone like Jacob theme, for example, like Jacob probably isn't going to ride for radio forever. He's going to, I'm, I would just predict that he's going to have, you know, a total situation where he ends up riding for a much better known or more reputable brand. But I've heard they do a lot for him and it's enabling him to get to that point. And if you sit around and wait, on that bigger brand to come along and you don't have all these opportunities like you had for simple session, then you might never, it might just never happen. Like I've seen him firsthand with, uh, stop name dropping. I'm not going to name, but like friends here in Chenga, like I swear they're better riders than me, but like, I don't know, stubbornness or what, but like, Somehow, I'm, I was able to make a career, and others weren't. And I'm not the better rider by any means. But it's just like, just saying yes and being the right person at the right time has gone a long way for me. Yeah, it, there's definitely a it's it's a hard thing to navigate, and and saying yes and no to the right and wrong opportunities is just it's a hard thing when you're coming up in it, but. Say, I think Mad Gear, you acknowledge it, just had a very significant stepping stone effect for you. Yeah. And it's so funny that it's Mad Gear of all. <laughs> Are they like, still around? Um, I'm going to Google it. Yeah, Google it. I really don't know. I feel like they still sell Mad Gear scooters at Changa right now. Like, <laughs> I want to say, I don't know if our oh Willie. Oh my gosh, they do. I don't know if our Willie has his own brand or it's through Mad Gear. I can't remember. Dude, they do still make stuff. I had no idea. They're, you can buy them at Sam's Club. <laughs> Sam's Club. <laughs> yeah, they, they really wanted a BMX team and BMX bikes, but they realized like, scooters are their bread and butter and they can't really dip into all action sports because they made skateboards and other things as well. Yeah. They were trying to be a full action sports brand and take over, but just scooters is their own. Like that's the thing that stuck the best, I guess. Yeah, and I feel like I remember people talking crap until you started winning events, and <laughs> traveling, and like going to Simple Session, and then it was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I honestly, uh, I didn't even know people were I. I honestly don't know if I knew people were talking crap. If it was a while ago, so maybe I did at the time. I really don't know. I don't remember like right now. Like when you sent me that, 
uh, that comment today, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> so like, funny. I can't believe that was from him, though. But uh, We're all different people nine years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, nothing against me. Me and Billy are homies. Like, I could chat with him. Yeah, he's um, a nice guy. Yeah, he's so nice. But it's just funny, like... Yeah. But you know how BMX is. It's so clicky and so, like, narrow-minded. Mm-hmm. If anything comes into our sport, they're like, oh, this is lame, this is blah, blah, blah. Or they have so much opinions about it. Oh, yeah, that was YouTube. Oh, Really? Well, I mean, just to rem- don't you remember Pete when like Adam LZ got hooked up by Stranger and oh. everybody quit and everyone's like YouTube's the worst thing ever. But now, every single company is on YouTube posting videos and Mike Ryder in the world wishes they had a YouTube channel or like wish they could be an Adam LZ or like mm-hmm. yeah, it's silly. They're what every single person is watching the Adam LZ of whatever thing that they're into. Yeah. on YouTube every day. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Wolf found out about BMX through Adam LZ. Oh, that's cool. So, like, and he progressed, and he was, like, really into it, and he's probably bought more parts than half of these salty bastards have ever bought. <laughs> any any uh, part. Dude, I love you throwing shade, like, on Instagram, your comments that you see sometimes. In the Morgan Wade podcast where there was people talking crap about his ice over. Yeah, I saw my comment. <laughs> I was like, damn, Nick. <laughs> See, that shit pisses me off. Like, I get it. Yeah, it's like, it's so easy to be like, I don't know if you know the man in the arena quote. Like, I don't know it off the top of my head. Let me Google it so you don't have to. Yeah. What is it, man in the arena? Yeah. Man in the arena quote. Oh, there's a framed picture with it. Oh, it's pretty long, but I'll read it. The man in the arena is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong the man, how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust, sweat, and blood, who strives valiantly, valiantly, God, I can't read, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph high achievement and who at the worst if he fails at least he fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat theodore roosevelt yeah dude like it's like you're like when you're the man in the arena like it's so easy for our people like until you're the man in the arena you don't understand what it's like like and people have will constantly judge you or whatever like that quote means a lot to a lot like lebron always quotes that quote like it's because like everyone hates lebron for god knows why (laughs) to put it in bmx terms yeah watch the dave mira video with the gangstar video where he say it's lonely at the top and just listen to the words of that song because it's the exact same thing yeah 
that's it's real and definitely the kind of thing i mean i'm sure you you maybe you didn't pay attention to it but it was the same thing with that mad gear thing and then you started winning contests and traveling the whole world and and then it became everyone's like oh my god nick bruce is here (laughs) yeah i mean yeah easy to be an outsider and pick criticize and stuff yeah but that drives me nuts anytime there's like morgan wade was the man of the arena like yeah no one's gonna ice over no one's gonna no ice one. pick over that wall no like, one else no one so like dude just don't even comment on it like oh he didn't commit i was like are you kidding me <laughs> yeah dude like are you serious like how do you even have the audacity to even say anything like that yeah, it's just insane. dude like i got insane messages and comments during the olympic stuff like i just don't understand like keyboard warriors i've never i've never experienced it until then like i was like wow like people are crazy <laughs> like they really are and <laughs> it blows my mind too when you see how like overcome and engulfed with situations people become to where like like right now there's a there was a car accident with somebody who's local to us where just something happened and, and there's people who are just like obsessed with the situation and just following every single little detail of it in a way that I'm like I don't understand this I don't I just don't get how like so many people care so much about something like that don't understand like they get so engulfed like you said like it i don't know either I, and it's fine it's your life do whatever you want their life or something right i don't know man all i know is that i don't have time for that <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> like <laughs> just too busy for those kinds of things either way though it's fun to see your comments sometimes pop up because i know if it's still there, it's one that you like left and thought about, and then was like, "All right, yeah, I'm leaving that one." <laughs> the Morgan Wade one's a good one. It is a good one. Uh, what else was there? There was another one. I can't remember it. But there was another thing in that Mad Gear video. It was a Woodward video, and you were talking in that, and you were riding the Mini Mega, and you said you wanted to try out the real Mega Ramp. And I wondered if you ever ended up doing it. For real, I said that in that video? <laughs> you did. Oh, God. No, I've never... Uh... Have I tried? No, only thing I've done was air the quarter and flare drop the quarter at Woodward West. But I never jumped the actual jump. Dude, so but I just scary. rode the quarter. That thing looks just crazy. Dude, yeah. Literally, Morgan... Every mega ramp rider is like Nick. You got to get on it. Like they're like, we would love to see a flare down whip on it. And I'm like, dude, hell no! Like <laughs> that's just like it's a 28 foot quarter. That's, that just sounds outrageous to say. Riding that thing, you have to be going so fast for it to feel normal, and there's like no room for error. Like you, you tense up a little bit, it sh- it spits you out to flat. Like, you have to be, like, loosey-goosey and just glide off of it. But, you, like, how are you not going to be tensed up when you're going a million miles per hour at a 28-foot quarter? Like, You're Morgan Wade. Yeah. Like, 
Those guys are a different breed, man. I promise you that. Yeah, we don't need any more Jake Brown situations. 40 feet of shoes blown off? Yes. And he walked off somehow. Like, that was insane. And, yeah, and like the Danny Way situations where he cases on his shins and just still drops in for his next run. Yeah. Crazy. So you flare dropped a 28-foot quarter? Yeah. Why? Kenneth, Kenneth Tencio was the first one. But, uh... It was for uh, Mongoose Jam. I was on Ben Wallace's team, and we filmed a video for at Woodward. It was me, Drew Bazanson, and Ben Wallace, and Leo Barone. Ah, I think that was our team. I'm really sorry if I'm forgetting if someone else. Oh, we had an amateur on our team. Um. I'm mixing up Woodward East. I'm really sorry if I'm forgetting someone. That's okay. Um, but the uh, Woodward West video, yeah, we just – and the craziest thing, I've never hit my – I fell first try, never hit my head harder than that. Oh, gosh. But I was like, I got to do it. Like, I got up. I probably wouldn't do this nowadays, like, get up after a head slam. Yeah. Like, I would be, like, more – Smart. <laughs> yeah. <that's> like... <laughs> um. That's so but like, but yeah, I got it second try. The first time, I just over rotated, and my back wheel caught, and it just like, like really knocked. Like, I'm surprised I didn't get knocked out. But like, I got up. Everyone was like super concerned, and I was like, no, I feel good. I want to get this done. And then that whole week afterwards, or two weeks afterwards, I slept for like over 16 hours, like every day. Jeez. And like that's how you know if you're concussed if you or that's another that's a symptom of a concussion like if you just sleep it off mm-hmm. and that's the best thing you can do like once it's time to sleep yeah right you can't go to sleep too early you're not supposed to anyways I feel like when it came to those flare drops it was like a competition there for a little bit where it was like everybody was trying to do them in all these different places and then Kenneth was like hold my beer. <laughs> now he owns it. <laughs> dude, Kenneth could have it, dude. Like he, he'll do it. It'll flare drop anything, anything, yeah. dude. And he does it like. I mean, it's not a. Like the bigger the setup is, the easier it is. But the commitment level and like the danger, like the dangers of it, mm-hmm. it's not worth it to me. Like I would. I'd rather do a trick on the box or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, but just flipping off a te- like eighteen foot sub box into a six foot quarter, like hell no, dude! I'm not doing that. Yeah, when uh, Brian Fox's video came out where he's touring the course at the Saudi Arabia Worlds thing, they're pointing at the su- the floating sub. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, Kenneth will Kenneth will flare drop that. <laughs> <laughs> he probably did. Or he did. He didn't get into finals, so he probably didn't. But he would have for sure. Oh. No doubt about it. Yeah, he owns that trick now. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> but with all of the talk of, okay, so there's Mad Gear, then you went to Total, and Total was a good run, and then you went to DK. Was the was that just a, mainly a choice of them being in Ohio, or was there... It was truly just wanting to figure like just wanted to try something out and like dk i actually have 
I've been trying to find an email because like back when I was like I want to say like 15 mm-hmm. I sent them an email like it should be in my AOL email yeah I have, like I think I have the send message like hey like yada yada here's a, a YouTube video here's my current riding I would love to ride for DK blah 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 yeah and then, Catfish responded or messaged me, emailed me back. I can't find the email, but he said no. Uh-huh. <laughs> but like, but like, it's just a funny memory. Like, I really wanted to be on DK, like, as a little kid. Yeah. Like, at the time, Anthony Watkinson was my favorite rider. I remember that name, yeah. He's like, that's where I fell in love with inverts. Like, he had the coolest inverts. And like, actually bought one of his old Brian Kaczynski frames. Nice. Up, and I was riding a DK for a while. Like, I don't remember when. It was after GT. After my GT frame cracked, I like bought a DK frame off of Anthony Watkinson, and I was like, a, like starstruck meeting him. Yeah. Because riding Napoleon would always go to stomping grounds, and he would always bring in like. Drew Bizance, like he would bring in random pros, whoever was rolling in through mm-hmm. town. Um, so yeah, Anthony Watkinson was my favorite rider at one point. Still is, he's still inspirational. But like, but I was like, oh, I really want to be on a DK. I want to be on DK. Like, yeah. So like, fast forward. Um, yeah, Total gave me a signature frame. Like we. It, they've made a lot of dreams come true. Like I got so far with total, but I was just like, Oh, I wanted something. I just wanted, like I heard great things from Marcus about DK. And like, I just wanted to be like something like where I could just, I haven't been to their warehouse yet, but like, huh. no, I, I went to their warehouse when I was younger. Like yeah. DK dirt circuit tour or jumps. But like, I haven't been since I've been on the team yet. But, like, I want to do fun, like, we, right before surgery, we, like, all, like, I met up with Stephen, Steve Buddendeck and Wilmer, and we went to the new Columbus Park, and we had a session, and we got, like, a bunch of, like, content done for DK, and just stuff like that, like, stuff in Ohio where we could just go and collaborate, or, like, right. something done, and I'm, like, as I said earlier, I'm a huge Ohio guy, like, I want, like, it just something about DK like always like something about it like always attracted me like even even after to- or like even before Total or like mm-hmm. during like I was just like man DK is like kind of where I want to be yeah like I don't I don't have like a super hard explanation why but it's just something that I like wouldn't it just means a lot to me to ride for DK I think everybody has their full circle, like company kind of thing, you know, and fit too, like mainly with it. Oh, and you as well. Yeah, it's insane. BMX is so cool. Like it's so, like, I don't know. I feel like dreams are very possible in BMX. Absolutely, and with the whole DK thing, for people who don't know, DK has a serious history in Ohio with BMX and there was a long period of time there I feel like at least in my generation where it was like oh DK sucks 
because it was after the six pack where it was like oh everyone wanted a six pack and before the you know Marcus Christopher and Drew Bazanson and all of that where it was like a weird time period there but now I mean obviously they're right there with everybody else so it was like I didn't know about it that much but then I, you learn over time that DK really had the I I didn't even know that it was a family started company that literally started with them making parts yeah making a stem it all started from a stem i had no idea until i was it you that told me that recently somebody told me that i don't know if i did or i don't know i think it might have been you at Ray's telling me about it yeah like you i've heard you say this many times you're not as well read as you wanted to, or maybe should be in bmx and that's why i do these podcasts <sighs> you probably learn a ton yeah, definitely. We had Chad Johnston on the on the mm-hmm. podcast. I was like, hell yeah, dude! Learned a lot. Like, I would always see him in the background of props videos and like filming stuff. Mm-hmm. I did I learned a lot in that podcast too. Yeah. But like, like I was like a huge Chad Johnston fan uh, prior to your, and just learning about him, I was like, man, this guy gets it. Like he's been in this. He's like, you should get Stu Johnson on podcast if you can i tried he says he's got two or three other podcasts he has to do before he can do mine i was like yeah. all right fair enough dude he's probably a hot top or like a hot or yeah i get that yeah but he's like the nicest guy ever. are you is he i've met him PM now uh i don't i haven't worked with him with snm stuff or fit stuff yet i mean we talked about podcasts and stuff and so i he's filming for them yeah, okay. He's I didn't doing, know what his role was there, but... He's doing a lot of filming and making videos. Yeah, he's he's the guy to do it all. So. For sure. But when it comes to DK in, in Ohio, they've, they've been in Ohio forever, right? Yeah. Since, uh, since I don't know the year, but, like, forever. Yeah. Since and it all started from, like, this crazy STEM design. That's so cool. And when you brought up Anthony Watkinson, I have not heard that name in so long, but I remember my buddy Jake really being stoked on him. <clears throat> and also, like when you said his name, instantly the, the car with the decal, the DK thing on it came to mind <laughs> before any kind of riding stuff. I remember him having a lot of like really popular edits. Yeah, yeah, he did. But I just yeah, remember his car. Well, I don't know if I remember his car. It had a DK like wrap or something or logo on it. I think I actually, yeah, I do know that actually. Yeah, but I remember him. Be, people being super stoked on him. He had the, the most unique style at the time. Well, he still does. Like, it's kind of like a lost breed, I guess. Or he would do invert to late tail ups and stuff. Whoa. Like, yeah, like I wouldn't that. call that lost. Well, yeah. I would but call like, that just no one, no one rides, does it. No one rides like him. Yeah. And like, no one, like, picked up his style. Mm. And he was so unique. Like, Fufanuda tail-ups and stuff. Like, But, like, he would do it with, I don't know, he was just so unique looking. Like, diff- like different style. Like, no one's ever, like, replicated that. I'm going to react to Anthony Watkinson video now. <clears throat> that would be good. Definitely going to do that. But another thing about DK that I feel like people might not 
have caught on to yet is that they're making the stems and the pegs in-house right now. In-house, yeah. yeah. Uh, I have... I was the one that made the... or got them to make the pegs because mm. they were like, hey, we got this new machine. We're going to be making stems. Any other aluminum part that you could think of, let us know. And I was like, dude, pegs. Like, I, I want... I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but Total makes like a skinny peg, but I want something even skinnier. Oh yeah, and they made it even skinnier, and it feels even better for like tech, tech stuff, or just I can't ride my bike without pegs. Like something about it. Like yeah. I don't have pegs on my bike. And you're too mid school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I have brakes too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, their pegs are. And they've killed it, dude. Like, they're so light. They feel perfect for park riding. And mm-hmm. I've hit some rails on it, and they haven't, like, dented or, like, worn down or anything. Nice. So they're solid pegs. Like, Yeah, it's they're, cool. They're just, like, everyone's a fan of the tree pegs, like, for their lightweight aluminum. And I swear to God, these DK pegs are skinnier, lighter, roll or uh, grinds just as, fat, like, good or just as well as the tree pegs. I don't know. I mean, I, I could go on about the pegs. Like they're great. I remember DK making an aluminum peg back when trees pegs were super, super popular and everybody wanted those. So it's cool to see that you got them to do like your version. <clears throat> My version, maybe just an updated version. But uh, It's yours. Claim it. <laughs> <laughs> And then I had input with the stem a lot, or the stem too. Like they, I had to give a lot of feedback because I was the one. Me and Marcus were testing them. I remember seeing them. So, like, what what kind of feedback are you giving on a stem that you're testing and developing? How's that work for you? So originally they wanted to do like a front clamp design, mm-hmm. so like the front clamps down, and then only the back. Or wait. So only the back gives you the adjustment? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. But the front pinches? Yeah. Um, but it looked like from the front, it just looked like block of aluminum. Gotcha. So we're like, ah, got to change it around. And then and then the fir- first prototype stem, like, pinched in the back because yeah, I'm sure you've had a, a stem in your day where it pinches all the way. Oh, around. yeah. Yeah, the fort around the steer tube gets too tight. Yep. So I just told them to make adjustments like that. Nothing like, nothing groundbreaking, I'm telling them. Just like, oh, like, this is something we, this is what's wrong with the prototype, basically. Like, you're doing your job as a rider. <laughs> yeah. But I rode the prototype for like eight months. Like, it's still on, or I just changed it because I wanted the red. But even with it being pinched, it still rode just fine. Mm-hmm. And I didn't put on the second prototype. I put it on my spare bike, but the first prototype was just as strong and just as fine. And I've cracked a lot of other stems. Mm-hmm. And how do you crack a stem? Like, what ha- what are you doing that's causing a stem to crack? Is it just losing the bike on tricks, or I don't know. One time at East, I did a flare drop off the sub into the quarter 
and my bars just moved forward. And I was like, oh, what the hell? And my stem was cracked. I was like, what the heck? Well, I guess that kind of makes sense. <laughs> but I caught training. I didn't land like dead oh. flat. Like, it was like legit. Like, it was like finals in the mini ramp. And I was like, so I don't know, just hard riding and maybe over tightening. Mm. Um, but the DK stem, I have not had any problem at all with. Like, usually I would change stems every like six months. Yeah. Just in case. Well, no, not just in case, because they would crack at the six month mark all the time. Or you could see like stress cracks in the paint or like stress cracks like on the side. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I'm, I'm a heavier guy. So like, and I ride pretty hard and ride like almost every, or I do ride every day. So like I put a lot of stress on my bike. You're a powerful rider. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, so I feel like a lot of parts just get stressed out from my riding and uh, stems were one of them. But this DK stem hasn't like that prototype lasted from January all the way until September. Wow. And, yeah. And then you just took it off because you wanted a different color. I wanted the red because it looks cool with the red frame. That's, or, like, that's awesome. So that's that was like, I was like, damn, this is a legit made in the USA stem. Like, made in Ohio. Made in Ohio, yeah, even better. That's and it, it's true to its word. Like, it's strong. Like, it has, like, USA stuff's stronger than most stuff. That's awesome. Uh, <clears throat> I'm curious, too. Like, are you guys in talks about any other stuff being made? Don't. You like to say things you might not want to say, so think <laughs> about it before you just say the part. You're like, "Yeah, we're working on." <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just small stuff, nothing. Just stuff we could fit in the CNC machine or whatever the aluminum. Yeah, the CNC machine, right? Yeah. Uh, just like different components we could come up with. Nice. Like it's dialing in some stuff yeah yeah because uh the frames we've been out they've been out of frames because a whole covid mess right but they're coming out with a nice metallic or it's called silver sage so it's like a silver frame with like you could barely tell if there's green on it actually (laughs) oh do we have one oh my goodness i haven't built it up yet coming soon but it's like a really nice silver. Oh, shiny. Nice. But yeah, we're waiting on those to come in. And it'll just be the, the DK face frame with the silver and black. Gotcha. So that's kind of, and the stems and the pegs are like, still like, they're brand new still. Like, right. Been done too much. And they have new pedals. They have a lot of cool stuff coming out. Or like, they're, that are out right now. But mainly the frames, and I think bars are still waiting from overseas stuff. Yeah. I feel like I remember seeing the pedals. Is it an aluminum pedal? It's a magnesium pedal. That, okay, yeah. I From your video, duh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, where did I remember seeing that? They're just as light as the foothold alienation pedals. But they're, wow. But, 
but they're magnesium, so they're metal. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. They they were worth a shot. I really love the alienation foothold pedals, though. Yeah. Like, honestly, it depends what shoes I'm riding. Right now, I'm riding really grippy shoes, so I have to ride DK pedals. Oh yeah. So I don't like because the foothold pedals were getting too sticky on my feet. Mm-hmm. But I love that feeling. So I don't. I'm not sure which pedals I'll end up with once I start doing more tricks. Because I'm noticing, like, oh, now that I'm riding more, like, I kind of want to figure out which parts I'm going to be riding. Oh, I gotcha. Season. So, I might get back on the Alienation footholds. I might be on the DK Magnesium pedals. Not sure. Pedals. I'm not sure. Yeah. Shout out to Alienation. My my video with all the parts for my new bike, all the Alienation parts went up today. Stoked. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, dude, I'm so stoked on the direction the alienation is going right now. And Zach just working on so much stuff that is just like at the highest level of technology and quality. Heck yeah. It's so good. Yeah, he always sets me up like figuring out what I've won out of the new product and stuff. It's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, just lots of really good stuff coming from there. And there's more on the way. And. One I'm like mega excited about. I think I told you about it, but I haven't told the internet about it yet. Okay. Yeah, it's exciting. But with that, gonna, uh, what? You're gonna say, or you can't? Oh, not yet. Okay. <laughs> not till I'm putting it on I'm my bike. Looking up to say it. I'm sorry. No, we're teasing it. We're. I, <laughs> okay. Not, what's that? I said, stay tuned, folks. That's right. Whenever I put it onto my new bike is whenever people will see it. It's cool. But another thing, too, just with the whole DK thing, I wondered, like, because they only make, do they only make one BM freestyle frame? Yeah, just the face frame. So what's the inspiration behind the geometry for that? How did they get to that frame? Do you know? (laughs) I don't know, but I'm lucky because it's identical to my Americano frame. Wow. <laughs> That's actually another reason I wanted to ride DK. I'm like, oh, they have the frame I want. They, they're DK. Like, yeah. I want to them. But I don't know. I know Marcus Christopher and his dad had a lot of input on the frame geometry. Nice. Oh, I don't want to say they copied mine. I, I really don't know. Like, I truly don't know. But. No, they because Marcus used to ride for Kink, and he rode the Kink Titan frame, mm-hmm. and I think they just tweaked stuff off of that. Yeah. So, speaking of Marcus, just gotta give Marcus a little more praise because that kid. What What is your first memory of seeing him ride? Do you remember it? Oh crap! I've been riding with him since he was like ten. So I don't know. So, uh, oh, dude, I remember that because you'd always go ride his backyard ramp. Yeah, his first backyard. Yeah, Graceland. Yeah, Graceland. Um, ah, man. How, what was he doing when you were first started riding with him that you remember back then? Was was he already, like, really good for a 10-year-old kid? Oh, my God, yeah. He was, like, insane. I truly think he still does it, like, feel like he was just doing crazy wall rides i'm like this kid has so much bike control he's doing like weird pocket air wall rides that no one else is doing yeah and he's 10 
and he's airing pretty high and he's goofy footed like yeah it's cool style like i was just like it was mainly the wall rides like that dude will wall ride anything yeah well he wall rode out of the 10 foot channel at your at the brew house oh yeah i mean we wall ride that together oh okay he did the wall ride at woodward east the the weird snowplow i don't even know what you call that like oh yeah the nate wessel wall is what they call yeah the nate wessel wall wall ride out of that like he'll find every weird he'll he's grinded Every weird where every weird rail at Rays and has wall road every weird wall at Rays. I'm not like, surprised. Yeah, like and he'll he'll do like the weirdest wall rides on our warm up laps around the XC loop in the pump track. He'll hit wall rides that I have never hit. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know if I wanna hit that. Yeah. And he he does it like just for fun. Like or doesn't even he's just doing it. Like he doesn't even know what he's doing. I remember the first time I ever saw Marcus Christopher. He was either 11 or 12. It had to have been 11 at our trail jam. And he, him and his dad came. He was still like connected with S&M at that time. Oh, yeah. And he was just blasting everything at the trails, doing no-foot cans and supermans. And he's just this yeah. little kid on an 18-inch bike. Has such good Supermans as a little kid too. He still does really great Supermans, but like as a little kid, and he just, he looked like he grew like a hundred feet long when you could do a Superman. He's like this tall, like he's so short. Yeah, and there was a dude out there. I say this all the time, but it's just funny, so I keep saying it. There was a dude at the jam who he didn't ride bikes. He just hung out with uh, John, the guy who owns the trails, and he'd get drunk. And by the time. Marcus's dad showed up. He was already drunk, and he was just calling Marcus's dad Sasquatch the whole day. What? <laughs> because his dad's just jacked. Dude, he's jacked shit. Yeah. He's super. <laughs> it was That's just cool. funny. But yeah, Marcus Christopher, that kid, he got second. At second the, at the first World Cup. Yeah, his first piece podium. Only second Probably. to Logan Martin. Yeah, he's beat Logan at the uh, Ultimate X event, which everyone opened their eyes at that time. That was like a few years back. Yeah. But yeah, he got it on podium for his first time at Feast, and he did the 360 quad downlift, which he learned, he learned at the brew house. And then... Uh, there we go. He learned it at the brew house, dialed it in, then went to Woodward, did it on wood once, and then... Flew to Saudi Arabia and did it there in his contest run both runs. Crazy. I saw some controversy online saying that he got robbed. Did he actually get robbed? I didn't watch, so I didn't know. I don't know if I want to say anything. Okay. Yeah. So he got robbed. But I didn't see, so I can't say anything at all. And it, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if Logan won. I wouldn't be surprised if Marcus won. It was very close either way. Yeah. Lucas had the tricks, Logan had the lines, and it's just probably one of those things you could go either way every all day. Like, Yeah, that's fair. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, where you could argue both sides and it would make yeah. sense. Like, I could see both sides for sure. Like, I don't want to claim either or. I gotcha. How, in, in your eyes, when it comes to those contests, like, how well do you feel like you understand how you're going to be judged 
Yeah, that's a hard one. Is it tough? Do you feel like you know what you're getting into when you're going? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, part of my homework is literally watching the event over and over and over yeah. and just like, trying to find patterns or, like, what the judges are, like, really nitpicking at. Yeah. And you can really break it down. Like, sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it's like, man, I don't really know about that one. But, like... But, like, that's where it's really great to have Nyquist as a coach where we could, like, him and I will, like, especially since I'm, I can't ride these events these last four times or these last four or the last four events, mm -hmm. him and I have just been, like, dissecting, like, okay, like, well, what made this run stand out a little bit more? What made what made so-and-so's run a little bit better? Like, we've been breaking it, breaking it down, and that's really fun and, like, really a good learning experience. Yeah. Just... But, like, he had, because uh, I got fuming, like, a couple weeks ago, or last month. You probably saw the comment. But yeah, the I BMX, did. At BMX Triple Challenge, Nyquist didn't make top 16. And I watched the whole live feed, and I was like, there's no way. Like, I was mad, dude. I did a cold plunge. I did yoga did something else and I was like I should be zenned out right now but I'm still pissed off about these results wow um and then Nyquist he's like hey buddy once you were in a judge sport like he he was like he didn't even care if he made finals or not like he was like I was like why aren't you fired up like why aren't you mad yeah he's like bro like just calm down like the last he's like I've learned a long time ago being in a judge sport, like as soon as you drop in all of, all of what you, or your, all your expectations of what a judge or what your scored run should look like goes out the window. Like all you can do is focus on your run. Yeah. Not cause it's just like, if they're humans judge, like judging other humans, like they're going to make, have mistakes. They're going to see things differently than someone else. That's why there's five of them or mm -hmm. whatever. So you could get like somewhat of a better or a good understanding, but like he just said, like you just gotta let it go. Like, and I was like, man, coming from the guy that's won more contests than anybody. Yeah. You listened to this recent podcast on Unclick. Yeah. He's might have been. He might have the most wins out of any rider. It and, wouldn't be surprising. Yeah, like because he rode dirt park and he has a lot of wins in both. A lot of wins in both. Mm -hmm. And he rode Bird for a little bit. I forget what other event. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I mean, it makes sense. And to hear that, I'm sure hearing that from the guy who it happened to in that situation probably helped too. Yeah, it helped a lot. Yeah, sometimes I struggle with the judging thing, but it's funny you mentioned how like watching the contest and trying to figure out patterns and things is something that you did because there was definitely a moment in time there where I feel like you had judging in BMX contests just figured out where you would go to the contest and then you'd qualify for finals and then you'd throw down a run and it was just, it was like guaranteed. It felt like it was guaranteed that you were going to win. It was like, how is he, like, he just knows. Dude, it's like, well, thanks, but I don't. I wish I had that 
mentality or like I wish I you can't would. have that mentality because right. then it won't happen yeah exactly you truly don't like uh truly it's just like there was a moment where I was so fed up with like I didn't make finals when I knew I should have made finals one time mm-hmm. I was like, you know what next event I'm literally gonna make it easy for the judges and just do any, everything and everything, anything and everything harder than someone else. Yeah. To like stand out. And then I won the next event. And that was the recon tour. My first park win, the, our first big event, I beat Scotty Cramer. I was like, mine. And my, Scotty won the year previous. It was at the unit, the, the recon tour finals at the unit. And Scotty won the year previously, and he had crazy lines. And somehow I ended up on top. But that was like, but I just remember not making finals at the previous stop. And I was like, I was just so confused. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, there's no way. Like, it just made no sense. So I was just like, why not just try to make it easier on the judges and really just give it everything you got, really? Yeah. And that, that kind of like been has been my mentality. I definitely distinctly remember just watching and knowing for whatever reason that you were going to do well and it was like you just knew what you had to do and you did it and it worked i remember it specifically i think at simple session i feel like i remember did you that's second at simple session but i really wanted to win or i thought i won Uh, i don't i don't remember exactly simple session's the hardest dude I swear this is why Daniel Dares goes to Simple Session still, because he hasn't won yet. Oh, that's funny. Hardest event to win. Oh, yeah. I mean, just throwing everyone in. Didn't they change up how they do it now, though? It's all street now. Yeah. Which which, which is great for street riders. Like, that's a fun event. I want to see Dares ride a street contest just because you know he can. That, uh, that yeah. edit he made, the street edit with four pegs oh, and no brakes. <laughs> I remember that. That was funny. Dude, Darius is the funniest guy in the world. I've never had a real conversation with him. Maybe I can get him to do my podcast. Maybe. Darius, if you hear this, message me. <laughs> Let's make this happen. But, yeah. And, and another thing along those lines I'm curious of. We don't have to talk in depth about this, but do you believe that the Cleveland curse is real? Oh, gosh. No. Okay. <laughs> I don't want it to be. No one wants it to be real. Well, me personally, because I live here yeah. and I'm an athlete, like I don't want it to be real. Um, but I rep the United States, so it's like I don't rep Cleveland. Oh, perfect. You're solid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Loopholes. <laughs> I rep Youngstown, Ohio, actually. There we go. Hear that? Hear that evil Cleveland curse spirits? Yeah. Nick doesn't apply. <laughs> Maybe that's why I crashed at the Olympics, the damn Cleveland curse. Well, we don't have that darn Indians name in our baseball team anymore, so maybe oh. that'll please the Cleveland curse, whatever, juju, bad juju people. Yeah. Let's we'll see what happens. Yeah, I just was curious. I don't know. Sometimes. No, no I don't believe in that curse type stuff. Good can't let that get in your head so i'm glad oh yeah i'm excited to see 
the next event that you get into though do you know what it's going to be the first one should be france or uh feast montpellier oh that's a the best one i was gonna say is there a better event to come back to dude the crowd is like just dude that whole that place is amazing man like just the vibe why do you think the crowd is so wild there like or is so big even Dude, they've been doing that event for over 20 years. Oh, that's why. And they, like, Montpellier has always been, like, the main city for feasts. Mm. So, like, people take like take, people take people off work for that week just to be a part of the festival. Gotcha. And uh, so it's like a national holiday in Montpellier. Wow. Or Montpellier. Like, people, and people travel all over to just to go see it. They're looking like, at it like a normal profe- professional sport, I feel there but the craziest thing that crowd knows what we're doing oh really dude like uh one year timothy bringer he's a mountain bike rider now Mm -hmm. he actually did the first ever flip triple whip Mm. on a normal box he did the first flip double whip to bar and he did a flip triple whip to bar on a crazy dirt jump but he was trying. He was doing flip double whip to bars. But he was trying it in finals for his last trick, and he kept doing flip double whips. And the crowd would you you the crowd would be amped up, and then they'd go ah oh, when he wouldn't throw the bar. Whoa! Whole crowd, like so they knew he wanted a bar out. Huh. And any like X Games crowd isn't gonna know if we're throwing a bar after a tail up or especially a flip double whip. A flip double whip looks sick no matter what. Right. This crowd was like genuinely like, shit, he didn't do it. Like, yeah. But like any other crowd in the world would be like, flip double whip. What is he doing more flip double whips for? We want like, or like, you know what I mean? Yeah. That same reaction. But I'm telling you, every, like, it was, it's like an echo chain. Like, like, they were so in tune with everybody's rap. And there's many other examples, but that one really sticks out because it was like so obvious. Yeah, they're in there with the rider where they know what's going on versus the X Games crowd where they're just, they have no idea. That's super cool to hear. And thousands of them. Like, I don't know the numbers, but there's like, I've, there's like a sea of people watching the BMX one. Like, it's so insane. I really hope we get something like that here in the U.S. Maybe, maybe once uh, USA BMX builds the freestyle facility that they have going on maybe around the Tulsa area people yeah. will get into it because BMX like history right <clears throat> so it sounds like with the Feast Montpellier thing it's that the crowd follows BMX similarly to how people here follow like football and they, they know the stats of some football player so they yeah. know that this dude's trying to bar spin after the flip double whip something dude yeah it, like they're just it's just a different world. Like, it's so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It would be a good first one for you to get back to. Yeah. Um, this is totally outside of the realm of any of that, but I was thinking about it today, and just from, like, being your friend and talking and stuff, it feels like you have been pretty smart with your success in BMX as far as, like, the financial side of things goes. I feel like we talked about you being a renter, a landlord maybe yeah. is the proper term for that 
and and things like that and i was just kind of curious if you had any thoughts on that that you would tell somebody who's in a position where they're about to be thrust into this world and about to about to have those types of things to think about in bmx as far as financial stuff goes yeah but not financial advice because we're not allowed to give that on the internet but just (laughs) (laughs) disclaimer but but just that kind of thing of like was there something that you intentionally did that for where you realized you had this opportunity to be smart with your finances oh man um i had to learn a lot like uh i went from never saving any money to like being the biggest saver of my life Mm -hmm. or like biggest saver i know of um i read a lot of financial books yeah like uh uh well no so before i sound weird um listening to fat tony's podcast Mm. opened up my world to uh like financial well-being um like in having like because he would interview terry adams who has like his own real estate or he has a huge portfolio of of properties Mm. and i was like man like if i could save money and like buy a rental property and it just it's just month money that comes in monthly like a sponsor check like that's the dream i only have one could have had a lot more if i didn't build the warehouse <laughs> but uh i'm still really proud of that first one and i plan to keep saving for more but truly just the terry adams podcast with fat tony like inspired me to like want to figure out like how to save money and like and like he's a flatlander like those guys don't have the same opportunities as like they don't have, well, they had X Games last year. They, they have X Games Yeah, Japan, they but didn't. They, yeah, and they, it was the best show of the freaking X Games. Mm. Um, but yeah, they didn't have, uh, they didn't have the same opportunities as us. Um, and he was killing it, and he, this guy's killing it. Like, that was like so inspiring. Like, if he could do it, like anyone could do it. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, just figuring out how to save not spending it or just spending money more wisely um yeah it's it's just funny talk i got i don't know if i should be even saying anything because i'm not doing financially great with the warehouse well <laughs> that that's wasn't like different a, that's different yeah i mean i'm not doing terrible or i'm not i'm okay yeah but i would love to save i would love to be in a position to save more money but that time will come but like it's important for what i'm doing and what my goals are right now to have the warehouse um so from what i'm gathering from what you're saying is like you you intentionally sought out books and podcasts and ways to learn about these types of things because basically what i'm trying to get here is just for somebody who's potentially about to be in a similar position as you where you went into things and started to do well in contests and and if you place and do well at x games you got these significant paychecks that start to come in that if you're not smart about it 
or not if you're not smart, I don't want to go the negative route. If you are smart about it, can help set you up for your future career to make things easier on you so that you can potentially have a warehouse that if you if you weren't smart about your finances back then you'd you do might not even be a question you might be living out at woodward right now right like uh i don't know what it is but every bmx rider as soon as they get money they buy cars <laughs> but i've never been a car guy yeah like, I don't, that's a lucky trait i have or what but like even like anthony napolitan like He's like, do not buy. He's like, just keep trying to buy houses. Do not buy cars or anything. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, just finding inspiration outside of BMX. Like, there's a ton of successful people out there, and you just learn what they've done, starting with barely any money. Yeah. Like, you just save. Like, the easiest thing you could do is start saving at least ten percent of every pay. Yeah. Like that's all I started with. And then it just kept accumulating, like, and then keeping my expenses as low as possible. Like, that's truly the key. And, uh, but it's funny because BMX is not a cheap sport when you're, like, at the Olympic level. Like, it's not a cheap, like, right. Um, it's just not, like, uh, but, like, the early like before olympics came around but like thankfully i have a lot of support for usa cycling for that's what i was gonna say but like for normal stuff or not even you just have to literally like the first book i read the richest man of babylon like the biggest theme of it was pay yourself first mm. Like literally after Mad after I lost Mad Gear, my uh, credit card was my best sponsor. Like that's oh. travel, like funding my travel. But luckily, I would do well enough to just pay it all off and save some. But like I would always like put money in a savings account first before I would pay off all my debt yet, or the credit card. And like that was the fundamentals of all these books, or that was an ongoing theme through a lot of these books: is pay yourself first, no matter. Even if it's like one percent of pay, like just start somewhere because that just having that um, discipline of putting money away out of, out of each pay, it pays off dividends. Like that's the reason why I've been able to build a warehouse or buy like buy a rental property or like build my private dream skate park. Like just by making sure like I pay myself first. Yeah, my bills. That makes sense. Yeah. That's like, and I swear it was in like three or four books. Like that was like, I mean, I'm, it's kind of all regurgitates each other. Like, but that was like a main staple. That's, that's just where I, you just start where you can and you truly like stay dis, disciplined, as disciplined as possible with it. Yeah. It will pay off. Even if, like, I'm telling you, I started with, like, 10 bucks, and, like, it just grew and grew and grew. Like, you just keep doing whatever you can. Even if I got, like, a $10 paycheck, I'd put a dollar away. Mm -hmm. Like, because uh, I used to do a lot of shows, and some shows paid, like, 100 bucks for the day. Others paid a little more, and, like, I would just put little by little away. 
of, out of every pay. Yeah. And just being really, cause like, it's easy. Like we live in a consumer society. Like it's easy to just, Oh, I have a 500 bucks. I'm going to buy the new Xbox or like you just instantly spend everything. Yep. As soon as you get money, like we're, we're conditioned to spend it, but we're not conditioned to pay ourselves first. And you really have to discipline yourself to do that. Yep. That's very important. And I think the way that you just summed it up is a great thing for anybody who has potential for success in any avenue, specifically BMX, because sponsor pay in BMX isn't, you know, amazing. It starts small. It really does. So being able to start from that, unless you live in California and every single dime of your your checks just go to living. But, but they, the gurus say start with a penny, like anything, man. Like it's it's not necessarily how much money you accumulate. It's just the practice of putting something, mm. any, anyway, anything away, just so you have and like not touching. Yeah. Until, until like, you're ready to buy a house or like, or put a down payment on a house or like, or like, you need a new car or something or like. It'll grow as long as you're very disciplined about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll have that freedom to like, oh, maybe I pay off all this debt. Maybe I put a little bit of more away or like you have options if you just are disciplined with. But like I get it. Like I get it. I've been in the positions where you're living paycheck to paycheck as well. But like you, it's just something about that little muscle you're creating by putting it away like and it just gets stronger and stronger and then next minute you're getting bigger paychecks and you have that discipline to put that money away yep really just setting yourself up for that like if you're making a hundred bucks a month and you could just put a dollar away like that'll and then you never know like maybe one day like they say like everyone that wins the lottery goes broke in next amount of years after yep have that financial literacy yeah the literacy to put something away yep. and it's, like you never know when you'll come up like money comes and goes like sometimes or something could happen you never know yep. but if you don't have that discipline to put it away you'll get right back to square one and not really know what you're doing yeah and I think this is a really important topic to talk about in BMX because they're not really people like you who are talking about these things openly for everyone to hear in a way that can teach them where if you if, if nobody's talking about it and nobody's teaching the people who are coming up how to be smart about things then it's just going to continue with the path of what has happened where you see people just disappear or have to go get a normal job because they are just aren't able to make it work yeah like uh yeah like uh yeah it's just hard like but it's truly like that changed my life like listening to this podcast with that tony because he's also a real estate investor mm -hmm. and i didn't even know that was a thing but like yeah. now like if you have that goal or like like that was like that's still an ambitious goal of mine, like to obtain rental property, because it's just like I I go there like once or twice a year to my rental property. Wow. 
just random stuff. That's crazy. Like I got very lucky with this one. Um, and the tenants really the same tenant for the last three years. Like I bought it right before COVID. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, before I built the warehouse, I was like, I'm making sure I'm buying a rental property with this money before I put it all in the, to the ramps. Right. I got lucky. That was all thanks to Weed Maps and Rockstar. Their bonuses, <laughs> um, like, and 2019 was a pretty good year, and it was just it made a lot of dreams happen. But like, if I if I was done with money, like you said, like I would not be able to, to I would not have been able to do any of those things if I had the poor tech or uh, if I wasn't as financial literate as I was. Yeah. And I didn't. I only learned that by reading a ton of books, listening to a ton of podcasts, and it all stemmed from that Terry Adams Fat Tony podcast, the Expansion Project. So that's where you should start, people. <laughs> yes, I find it motivating as heck. But but like once you're disciplined and you're like, oh wow, I got like a couple hundred bucks that I didn't have, and I'm not even, and I don't have to touch it. Like once you get there, you're like, oh wow, and you kind of like. It's like a game. You want to just keep trying to grow it. Yep. See how much you can get. Yeah. It's like... I mean, money isn't everything. But, like, unfortunately, we live in a society where it's like it kind of rules our lives. And it's sad. Money sustains passion. And if passion yeah. is BMX for you, making money will sustain that. And if you can find yeah. ways... Yeah, even if you want... A new bike next year like 10 percent out of every pay like you're gonna have a new bike right i don't know i, I can't assume everyone's financial situation but like but like that's always if that, everyone loves the feeling of a new bike mm-hmm. so if you just save like a little bit here and there you could get those new wheels and like who knows when but like you it's possible you don't have to ride something that might break down or then you get frustrated with bmx because their parts break or i see a lot of that too like oh i just can't afford a new bike which i've been there yeah my first event they are uh, when i was at the free flow tour every single rider used to make fun of my bike on the deck really because i had and i wish i had a fic- a picture but like on my stem like I didn't have a proper compression bolt for my stem, mm-hmm. so I just used a hardware store bolt or a, a bolt that I found in my dad's garage and stacked a ton of washers just to keep my stem on. Yeah. Or just my stem, but like I didn't have the money to. But my bike rode or it did its job. Like I didn't. But like, that's just so funny. That's a funny memory because like. I truly did not have money on bike for bike parts, but I was also very. I did, at the time I did not save money. Like I was working with my dad, like I could have been saving money. Yeah. Like, but I wasn't. But if I had the discipline of just putting a little bit away here and there, I could buy a new stem or buy a new fork. Or it's just amazing, like that little muscle of just putting a little bit away, even if it's I'm telling you, even if it's a dollar. Yeah, I've always heard, I haven't read books or anything, but I've 
heard people say things like the people who are the most successful aren't necessarily the people who are making the most money, but the yeah. people who are finding the smartest ways to spend the money that they have. Yeah, there's a story about a FedEx or a UPS driver who was only making 40K a year, but he died a millionaire because yeah. of the way he was putting his money away and the way it accumulated through index funds. Yeah, yeah. There's so tons, tons and tons of stories like that. So you're like, you don't need to be like a four, like a thirty to forty k job, job a year. Like that's, you know, it's, I don't know, it's easy to find right now, but like, yeah. it's an obtainable goal. Yep. And if those, I mean, and we're also living in a whole different economy, and they're saying like eighty k is bare minimum of what you <laughs> need to be making to make a, to live a normal life that these people were living back in the day, making thirty k. Jeez, I didn't hear that. Dude, it's it's sad. Like we're living in. I don't even want to go down that road. <laughs> like, yeah, let's like, go to let's go to positive things. Yeah. I feel like we. What, is that good as far as? Oh, like, that was more than good. We could talk about the positive thing of uh, Warzone Two. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Laird left that comment. I was like, oh, I have to. Dude, Laird's a bully, man. <laughs> <laughs> why? What? What's this? Why do you leave that comment? We've been. I play Warzone with Laird and Nick Digilaroma a little bit. Mm-hmm. I go and well, I was also recovering from my injury, so now that riding's ramped up. But they play, or Mike plays every night at 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. So I like kind of got on that schedule. Yeah. And. uh you know, some nights I have my good nights, and then other <laughs> nights, like, the liability of the team. Like, always uh, always down, I need revived, <laughs> and Mike just gives me the hardest time about it. That is so funny. But we've gotten some wins, but it's, and I've gotten, like, a handful of kills some games. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can hold my own, but, like, sometimes I'm just, like, a complete noob. Like, I'm a noob. But I don't play the game. Like I don't have. Like I. I enjoy video games, but like I get. I just get antsy. Like I want to go do something. Yeah. When I'm playing video game. Too funny. I feel like I had the Warzone conversation with Laird at a event at one point in time. I believe it. Yeah. He's 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 serious about it, man. That is so funny. That was Nick Digital Roma. Like they do not like losing. And I'm like, dude, I'm just, I'm just here to play a game. Like, I'm not here to like win the freaking world championship or something. You haven't gotten that deep yet to where you're getting super mad. No, that is funny. I, I laughed the whole time. Dude, and they're annoyed. So I'm probably annoying to play with because I don't really care. Yeah, but it's like maybe maybe I bring like fun energy. I don't know. That's super funny. I used to be mega obsessed with Warzone. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, to see you post the win, like, every day. Yeah, back before they changed to Warzone 2. Now... You don't like Warzone 2? I did not like the new one, and I didn't... Everyone got their guns leveled up before Warzone came out, so, like, you jump in there, and just instantly you got a disadvantage. I played it last night, 
after they updated and put that new small map in there and like instantly during that game I was like I just don't even want to play it anymore really I, I got obsessed with Rocket League now I'm not sure what that one is oh dude it's so fun it's literally you're play, driving it's car soccer where you have like I've seen you pu- you live streamed it one day right yeah I, I probably put it on when I was streaming it on Twitch for a minute saw it one day you were playing it. It looked like you're driving semi trucks hitting a soccer ball. You're or... just driving cars and you you can it's got like a jet where you fly through the air and hit it in the air and it's actually really fun. There's a lot of physics to it and I'm oh. just obsessed. Oh wow. Like I'm literally sitting here while you're talking about Warzone. I was like, Do I have enough time to play some Rocket League after we get off here? <laughs> like, it's bad. It's, it's fun though it's like your personal time that's kind of what it is for me is where it's like I'm literally working for more than 12 hours a day every single day pretty much so it's that couple hours at the end of the day where it's like oh Rocket League yeah nice me time yeah and it actually brings me to the last thing on my list here to talk about with you but like what do you do outside of BMX for fun fun is there anything there's BMX it oh, man. I want to say play with my dogs a lot like me and my wife do a lot of she makes me do like she has taught me the the art of leisure like mm-hmm. finding something fun out of BMX because like when you're competing at a high level and like you're so consumed all day by it it could hurt performance yeah for sure you need to you need to have other avenues yep um i do i don't know i can't tell you what we do like simple as like walking the dogs we walk the dogs a lot we uh we just go to the metro parks we walk around like we just explore around like we're like very simple people like do a lot of yoga Basketball's been a fun little activity in the brew house. Um, man, I don't know. But you're not like a closet chess freak. Or, there's not like a thing where... Oh, uh, I do like painting and drawing. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. How often do you do that? Not as often as I want to. But like when I get in the routine of it, like it's like very peaceful. Like I just listen to chill music also read a lot but lately it's been we've been watching a lot of movies like i have a lot i did not know like i was never a person to sit down and watch tv or movies Mm -hmm. but like watching like chelsea my wife is really into like artsy movies and i'll watch she's like got me into movies like huh that's cool just like i know like like I have a different appreciation of that art of like watching movies now and what that I never had before until her. Yeah. And it's just like nice quality time. Just her and I, like we'll go to a movie or her friends really in the movie. So we'll go hang out with him and watch a movie or something. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. It's, uh, Cause that's restorative. Like, cause we, we would also play a lot of tennis and go on a lot of hikes, but then I would find myself, 
on my rest days doing more than I should be doing. Right. And I'm like just fatigued all week long and like feeling burnt out. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, well, we didn't really do anything. So like movies have been like a nice, nice uh, break or like just getting off my feet. Yeah. Lot and I ride a lot. Somebody said, "Can we see some art?" Sorry. Some sometime you have to. Yeah, maybe some. Show something sometime. Uh, is there a movie that you remember off the top of your head right now that you recently watched that you really were into? <laughs> maybe even a one from the theater. Oh, I never watched Avatar until recently. So you watched the first one, then the second one? Yeah, I'd never seen it until the new one came out. So I watched the first one and then the second one. Nice. And I was like, because I'm literally, like, if there's any hype around a movie, I will not watch it. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Like, I don't want to watch it because yeah. there's, there's too many opinions. Like, so you don't, like you get caught up in all that. So it's like, it's hard, but like Avatar, I could see why I lived up to all that hype. Yeah. It was really great. And the new one was great. Um, That's funny you said that because Victoria and I watch pretty much every single big movie that comes out. Oh, you do? Yeah. There's been days where we watched two movies at the theater in one day back to back, just because two things we really want to see came out. And I'm the same way about like, not necessarily not wanting to see something because of hype, but because of the way people talk about things online, I just go out of my way to not have any spoilers at all. To where during um, previews, I will literally plug my ears and shut my eyes so I'm not seeing anything until we watch it. Yeah, you kind of have to do that, I feel like. If you don't want it to be ruined or have expectations, yeah. Yeah, we've been watching a lot of old movies. How old? 60s, 70s, 80s. Nice. You're watching John Wayne and stuff. You've been into John Carpenter movies. Mm. I don't know if you know the director. I didn't know the director until recently. But Is that? I feel like I know. He uh, directed Halloween, actually. Yeah, that's why I knew I recognized that name. Um, we have a funny ongoing joke. Like, there's... We went to this movie in Pittsburgh after the wheel mail the one day, mm-hmm. and we were making fun of Chelsea's friend calling him a carpenter bro, because I guess that's like a thing. Oh, okay. We got to the theater, and there's this dude with pit viper glasses, a mullet, and like a weird, well, a cool vest jacket thing. And we're like, that's a carpenter bro. <laughs> <laughs> and like, <laughs> It's just the funniest thing because it was a Carpenter movie, like at this like, like oh, it was okay. Pittsburgh theater, like showing old movies and stuff. Yeah. But my wife's also really into Nicolas Cage, so we've been like just going down the list. Oh, dude, I all love uh, National Treasure. I love those movies. Yeah, his newest one. The um, I love his newest one. The uh unbearable massive weight of talent or something oh where he's like yeah i saw previews for that but i didn't watch it it's hilarious yeah but like even his old his his old movies are really great that's funny you I gotta f- watch 
You gotta watch Wild at Heart. It's the most ridiculous movie in the world. Okay. I feel like people talk about Nicolas Cage and hate on him the way that they hate on Nickelback. Because it's like the popular thing to hate on. Not necessarily because they actually don't like him. Oh, I get it, yeah. Dude, my wife has turned me into a huge Nicolas Cage fan. I thought you were about to say Nickelback fan. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. I'm one of the haters of Nickelback. <laughs> no, no, <just> <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's cool to hear that you're into that kind of stuff, too. And I'm, I don't know. I'd be stoked to see some kind of art at some point. Yeah, well, this actually makes me want to draw more. So cool. maybe who knows? What's your? I like, I like drawing my dogs. Yeah. What's your style of drawing? Is it like you go for realism? You cartoony? Like, like I like looking at something and just drawing it. Trying to do it realistically. Yeah. That's cool. Like, like say the brew house, like a picture of the brew house. I would just draw that. Mm-hmm. And, or like, or the dogs, like a photo of the dogs, and like draw the dogs, or just anything like. Still photos or still I don't know still objects still, still life still life that's it yeah that's the you're that's huge in art aren't you I used I don't know I haven't drawn in a long time I was I thought I could make this channel into like an art channel surrounded by oh. BMX where I was just drawing like a portrait of a different rider every week but yeah. but dude it got crazy to like to make it happen because i was making time-lapse videos from them where it's real time-lapse with a real camera going like every it was on a time-lapse mode so it was taking them and it was i was sitting right here with my drawing board for literally the same amount of time i would normally be editing videos today so it'd be like 10 hours of drawing every single day just to get it done yeah it was rough and then editing the videos because I would take out every single frame that wasn't pencil on paper it's just to go through every frame of the whole thing it's just it was rough that's insane yeah but oh it's cool to hear you're into drawing I think it's cool to hear the kinds of things people are into outside of just riding because yeah you can go and do you know flare whip to down whip and people will be like oh my god but then there's other people who are also into art or movies or reading they could be stoked on that too yeah we're, we're everyone or most people have dogs nowadays so. yep Whew. well nick we did two and a half hours just now yeah i didn't realize it's 11 p.m yeah and i don't want to take up your whole entire night here but i appreciate you chatting and everybody check the link in the description wherever you're listening to this for the t-shirts yeah thank you Brant. thank you for all the kind words and the shout outs got you dog thank you for letting me on again yeah oh yeah his youtube go subscribe to his youtube i told him so we were filming a video at ray's and he was there and i yeah. promised i yeah. Oh, you're going to drop it soon, huh? Uh, whenever I get to it, but... Because <laughs> I don't remember what day that was, so I don't know. 
where that happened, but I promised him during that video, I was like, I will not put this out saying that your YouTube channel is coming back until you post a video. Yeah. So now it's back and people will have something to watch whenever that one finally ends up coming out. Yeah. But yeah, people can tune in and you're going to film the progression of finishing the ramp setup and whatever else you got going on. Yep. Finish some riding sessions in the brew house for the time being and then finishing that ramp soon and whatever whatever else we come up with i guess sick we're gonna have a knockout tournament the, not yeah, this saturday yeah not this saturday maybe next saturday contest yep Everybody. are you going oh yeah i have to go film it <laughs> nice okay yeah yeah i'm not judging yeah, so might. if anyone's watching and is going to be a competitor, I am hundred bucks. open to bribe. No, I'm just kidding. hundred bucks. If I get roped into judging too, it's going to be very interesting. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to film it. So yeah, Wedgwood Ramps in Austintown, correct? Yep, Austintown, Ohio. There's a contest this weekend. Pro purse is seventeen hundred bucks, and first place is a thousand dollars for pro, which is huge. Yeah, that's huge for a little local event. That's great. Yeah, so I can't wait to see who all comes out for this one. Rumor has it Nathan Powell's coming out. Ooh, see, and then uh, in April, April first, Trevor's yeah, contest at Chenga. Yeah. Heard uh heard you were gonna compete in that one with Marcus and Nick. I'm D. gonna judge that one. <laughs> I want so badly for a contest at Changa to happen that people like you and Marcus and Nate and just everybody competes at. Yeah, it would be intense because we wouldn't go easy. I don't think. No, I want to see this happen. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I'm going to stop taking up all your time. Everyone go subscribe to Nick's channel and uh, follow him on Instagram. Thank you, Brian. Absolutely. All right. His Instagram is Nick underscore Bruce also. Got you. You don't even have to promote yourself. I can do it for you. YouTube, Nick Bruce BMX. Type it in. Link down below. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And uh, have a good day. Bye.